Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Support Time. We're Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by former Kansas Jayhawk quarterback Carter Stanley. As we'll get Carter's thoughts on the 3-0 Kansas Jayhawks and also revisit some of Carter's favorite memories when he was wearing the crimson and blue. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group with our picks against the spread and the breakdown of all the latest happenings in the NFL and in college football. We'll also have our Big 12 breakdown, take a look around the NFL coming up in just a bit. And uh, our Tom Fuller story of the week coming up at the end of today's show as well. Thomas Bridges is here with me. And Tom, I'm so excited to talk to Carter Stanley today and talk about this undefeated Kansas football team. Lance Leipold doing a hell of a job. And what, what a story. The best story in college football right now is in Lawrence, Kansas, America. I am so thrilled. I don't know if it's going to last, uh, but I'm going to enjoy every second of it. We got a great chat with uh, with Carter Stanley, who knows a thing or two about beating Texas. Right, and you know, I, you know, he's excited too. You know, I know he's not behind center now, but this is the uh, you know start off three zero. You got a matchup against Duke, which should have been college game day should have it's trash that it's really it's it's such trash that it's not um but you know they have ku has a real good chance to start out four no and if they do that we talked about it off the show or a little bit off the show that even if they, if they go four no if they beat duke this weekend you got a ku team that's four no starting off hot even if they crap the bed later on in the season they need one big 12 win to essentially get a real good chance um, at a bowl game. You know, we've, we've talked about five and seven teams before going, and, but you know, we don't want to stop at that. If, the, if, if KU's four and oh, Jalen Daniels looks real hot. I mean, he, he, he's even in the Heisman candidacy, which right now I, I think that's a little overrated, a little overdone, but you know, KU hasn't had this much excitement since you were in like, I don't know, sixth, seventh grade. So at that point, you know, let them have it, you know. So Jones, you could you could realistically end up in Phoenix this year um, for a KU bowl game. Uh, I mean, that's you know, for for you, especially being a, a college football fan, that's as almost exciting as a KU basketball Final Four. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we've said for a long time that whatever coach can get Kansas to a bowl game, you might as well just build a statue for them. And Lance Leipold is looking like that guy right now. And, you know, through three games with this Kansas team, I'll say this much, um, nothing's off the table at this point. That offense has been terrific. They were not supposed to be able to do what they did against that Houston team. That Houston team has a really good defense, and Kansas just torched them, torched them apart. And so, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and limit this team and say, well, you know what, they, they can be a, a six-win team or, you know, you know they, they look like a bowl team, you know, put put limitations on it. You're undefeated right now. You're 3-0. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying that 
they're going to be, you know, playing for a Big 12 title or anything like that. But I'm not going to cap it anywhere, Tom. I'm going to say just take this. I know it sounds like coach speech, but I'm sitting here taking the one game at a time approach and let's see what happens. I'm not going to sit here with this Kansas team and say, well, you know, their ceiling is this. Like, well, you know, they could be a seven or eight win team. I mean, like, no, who knows? Who really knows at this point with how good that offense has been? I mean, you mentioned like, okay, it's a little reach to call Jalen Daniels a Heisman contender. Is it really, though? I mean, at this point, through three weeks, he's been as good as any quarterback in the country. I don't want to ride off of any preconceived notions or anything that's happened in the past, just looking at things right now. And the way things look right now are really good with this Kansas team. I'm not putting any caps on anything. Just take it one week at a time and let the cards fall as they may. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if you really want to look at it, after after Tech showing at, you know, against NC State, granted NC State's a little good, you know, not too bad. And, you know, you could even say TCU's not really showed out. You know, they had an impressive win over Colorado, but after what we've seen from Colorado through the non-con, they have essentially replaced KU as the worst Power 5 team in college football. So, I mean, if you really wanted to start, you know, counting on your hands and toes here on what KU could accomplish this season, if you really wanted to put some money down and look at it, you could say KU has a real good shot, better than 60% against Tech, and better than 60 against TCU. So there's two Big 12 wins. They pull it off against Duke. Well, boom, there's your six. And then give them one more. Let's say, where's, where are they playing Iowa State at? Uh, that game's in Lawrence. There you go. Give them Iowa State, too. You know, give them there, – there's your seven wins. I, I could I, – I, any more than seven's pushing it. Seven, I think, is the ceiling maybe for this KU team. But like you said, it's one game at a time. Go and out. See, that's where I disagree is, like, don't even put a ceiling. Just take right, a I mean, I mean – going to tell your team that in the locker room but just me and you talking see see that's where i'm at though i'm not going to put a ceiling i'm going to say let's just take this week by week see what happens you know i mean i'm going in with an open mind because you know i'll be honest tom i did not think that they would beat west virginia i was gave them probably about a 50 50 shot to beat houston and so they have already surpassed my expectations they have already proven me wrong, gone further than what I thought. So that's why I'm like, you know what? You proved me wrong before. I'm not going to tell you what you can't accomplish when you've already proven me wrong. That's fair enough. If you had to put money on it, what's your over-under? The over-under, I think, you know, to begin the season was two. Right. Well, they already hit that. I think it, if if Vegas had a do over again, I At think this, the over under would the the Vegas line would be six. Um, but we'll see. It's it's a fascinating story. I'm excited to talk to Carter Stanley more about it and uh, see what he and, says when he comes. Already, you've already said you're on. going to a bowl game if they make it. Uh yes. If no matter what, I've said this for a long time. Uh, me and my buddies have said this forever, that I don't care where I'm at in life, wherever I live or wherever it is, um, 
the moment Kansas gets back to a bowl game, I will do whatever humanly possible it takes to be at that bowl game. Now, maybe it ends up being the Fort Worth Bowl that's just down the road from me, or maybe it's, you know, a trip to Phoenix or something like that. Whatever it may be, I don't care. I will find a way to be there no matter what. Take PTO, last-minute flight, whatever it takes. I will be at that bowl game, have to be there uh, to see this program make that step. Now, with that said, still one week at a time, still got to get there first, but I feel really good. The future is bright in Lawrence, Kansas. That's uh, for certain. We'll uh, talk about it more with uh, Carter Stanley when he joins us coming up uh, later on in the show, but also on the the college football front this week, Tom, uh, we'll we'll dive in more when when Bo's here about some of these uh, these openings right now. But I mean, man, I mean times are tough in in Nebraska and in Arizona State. I mean, uh, Nebraska gets embarrassed; they already let go of Scott Frost, and then Oklahoma puts it just a shellacking on them. Oklahoma looks really good. Granted that Nebraska team's not that great, but impressive nonetheless. And then Arizona State, after two game, after three games, I mean, you and I, we saw them play against Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago. Herb Edwards is gone just like that. I mean, those two jobs are open already. I thought last year was crazy when it came to the coaching carousel. That was the craziest cycle I've ever seen. And we're three weeks in, and the carousel's already getting wild in college football. Yeah, it is getting wild. And, and Jones, another thing, you know, I, just a side note here about Nebraska, or I'm sorry, not Nebraska, Arizona State. I did hear, and all I can provide the article if you need it, that there were some people um, on the inside of that organization leaking info to other teams to increase their chances of victory so Herm could get fired. That was kind of a side thing, you know, when he got – Someone on Twitter said he got end zoned. He said he's seen people get tarmac, but that's the first time he saw someone get end zoned. Uh, context being that the president and AD of Arizona State met Herm after getting beat by what was Eastern? Is it not Eastern Washington? Eastern, Eastern Michigan. Right. Um, so you think Gundy took that phone call a couple weeks ago? I'm sorry. You think Gundy took that phone call? Like, hey, I got some inside info here. I, you know that, you know, I, I don't know. Did you, did you see the same article or? Does I did. Same, I did. Yeah. I'd be very interested. Uh, I don't know how much more will come out about that, if anything at all. But very interesting in terms of you know maybe some insiders at Arizona State trying to get Herm dog walked out. Right. It's very. Yeah. It's a, it's a wild story. Uh, and then in Nebraska's case, I mean, they, they played horrible. Uh, Scott Frost, you know, he's been gone now. And all their fans are calling for Urban Meyer. And I'm sitting there. When I see all this, Tom, I'm like, do you really want Urban? I mean, do, do, Nebraska, you don't want you, – you don't really want Urban, do you? I mean, like, almost, it, it feels like the two deserve each other, I guess, for all the wrong reasons. I mean, this is a, if Nebraska goes and gets Urban, 
this is like Howard Schnellenberger to OU, or this is like Rick Patino vibes or something like that. I mean, I'm like, okay, I mean, you want Urban, okay. Uh, but the night that he ends up with a 18-year-old girl, you know, at uh at Runza is uh is not gonna be a great day for Nebraska football history. How long would it take Urban to end up with a with a college sophomore? What happens and, first? And- what happens first? Urban gets caught with a college sophomore or fakes another heart attack. I think they could be back to back in any order. Oh, yes. He gets caught, then he fakes a heart attack, make people feel bad for him, and resigns. I, I I guess you know you'd have to. Well, that that would only be the case if he knew he could get caught. The second he knows he gets caught, that's when he fakes the heart attack. And then you you can set your own over under with how many college sophomores he gets he hooks up with before he he fakes that heart attack. I'd probably say plus or minus four. Yeah. Oh man, uh, It'd be a great time. You know what? I think I kind of want to see it. I think I want to see Urban and Lincoln. I I kind of do too, honestly. I'm not I mean, recommending like, it. I'm just here to be entertained. You know, we're we're not fans of Nebraska football. It's not like we have a stake in it. No, I mean, I'll we say this see, much: we want to see chaos. I'll say this much: living up there for a year. Uh, very nice people, you know, that, that Midwest kindness, that's a loyal fan base. That is a fan base that I think every college football program in the country should admire of all the pain they've went through and they still sell out every game. They are loyal. Uh, a lot of programs wish they could be like Nebraska like that. They've been through a lot, but I mean, Ooh, you ready for urban? Okay. They say Oklahoma State loyal and true. I tweeted out on on Saturday. OU was beating them in half. What thirty five seven? I come back after a quick cleanup crew of my apartment, um, and I come back and I turn on the third quarter. They got was, Gus Johnson sick at this point. So. Right, the, the stadium is still packed out. And granted, you know Nebraska OU somewhat of the same color, so. Could have been a lot of OU fans there. I think there was a, quite a few OU fans there because I heard the the Stoops when Drake Stoops caught passes. Very audible on, through the TV. But there still had to be that many Nebraska fans in the stands, and they were still there. And I tweeted out, if, OU, if OSU was getting beat by a drum by a rival, or even by anybody, 35 cent and a half, I'm not staying in the stadium. I'm going straight to the bars. Right. Like, I'm, there's no way, you know, and, and, you know, you know, some, maybe Nebraska fans are a different breed or maybe they're, the bars aren't that good. Um, but I can tell you if that happened to Stillwater, I would either be home by the time the third quarter started, or I would be at the nearest bar. I'd be drinking down those limeys like you had last week, Jones. Oh, those were good. They were. Let's move on to the uh, NFL now. As uh, week three of NFL football action is here, beginning tonight, Thursday night football, Steelers and Browns. And we'll run through some of the games that kind of stand out. But uh, headline-wise, Tom, I'm very intrigued to see 
this San Francisco 49ers team with Jimmy G back under the helm now. Trey Lance did not look good uh, in a couple starts he made. And now Jimmy G's back, played well against Seattle. Um, we know what he did last year, taking them to the NFC Championship and everything here. And they take on this Denver team. That's the Sunday night game this week. Personally, I'm going to go hot take right now, Tom. I'll go ahead and just say it. I think the Niners will be better off with Jimmy G than they were with Trey Lance. Trey Lance had shown nothing. Granted, it was just a few starts, but things were not looking good with Trey. We know what Jimmy G can do. You know what you're getting. I mean, Jimmy G is going to do enough, and they have a system that can work with Jimmy G there. Um, I think the Niners may have just saved – it. they may have saved their playoff hopes – I hate it for Trey Lance. It ended the way it did. But this Niners team might just be better off with Jimmy G than they would be Trey Lance here. You know, I don't even know if that's too much of a hot take. You know, I've seen a lot of fans on Reddit, and I got on the 49ers subreddit. And some somebody on the 49ers subreddit even said, you know, this is a hard truth. And I'm sure some people will disagree, and I'm sure a lot of people will agree. Um, kind of a 50-50 split that, you know what, 49ers are harder out with Jimmy G at the helm than Trey Lance. Sure, maybe Trey Lance had some hope, and eventually Trey Lance will be the guy, you know, next year because Jimmy G's, what, he get he got franchise tagged or he got signed for one year. Yeah, they reworked his deal. Right. They're not going to be able to afford him. He'll go somewhere else next year. But at the same time, even even Ram, a lot of Rams fans too. It's have said, you know, I thought this is quoting Rams subreddit essentially, and in this I could say the same thing here as a Rams fan. A lot of them said, you know what, I thought we would have swept the Niners this year with Trey Lance in terms of matchups, and they said this year the way that Jimmy G's plays and has that Niners team set could probably see a split, a Rams Niners split, and I agree. I agree. He he makes that team a little different beast with Jimmy G than it is Trey Lance. Trey Lance, I feel, you know, he's still young. He gets flustered. Jimmy G's not the best, but he gets it done. How how can you go from, you know, Trey Lance? I, I get it. It's almost like a sunk cost fallacy. Well, you've already spent this money or you spent this time on Trey Lance, spent all these picks. So now you should start him because – if you don't, then there's your sunk cost fallacy. Right. When Jim G literally was one game from taking your team to the Super Bowl. And he'd done it before. Right. Yeah. And it's not his first rodeo. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm and you know, a lot of teams, they even talked about Rams. They were talking about if if they were to cut Jimmy G, the Rams were gonna go after him. And I'm surprised. Nobody really traded for Jimmy G. You know, the Seahawks could have. I'm not surprised because he would have cost $26 million. Right, right. Well, I get, I get that. And, and that. And, and, and he was coming off shoulder surgery, and we didn't know how healthy he was. Right. But, He's not going to get the Seahawks to the playoffs either. Right. But he, can, now, he, he knows that 49ers system well enough to get him to the NFC Championship game. Now, this weekend, 49ers taking on the Broncos. Broncos have not looked good. Russell is it at Stadium? It is in Denver. Uh, oh, okay. 
Denver hasn't played well. Hackett's looked like a dumbass as a head coach. <laughs> um, That's being generous. <laughs> yeah, that is being generous. With that said, and, you know, if we're on hot takes, let's go ahead and put this one out there too. Niners-Broncos. I know they're in different conferences and everything, but just with the way things have started and trying to set the tone going forward, does it already feel like a must-win game for both these teams? Absolutely. And and Kittle, I think I even read Kittle may be back. I mean, you, you look at it too, 49ers are without Elijah Mitchell. They do have Jeff Wilson, who had a decent game against the 49ers last week. Um, to keep up with the Rams, sure. You got the Cardinals not playing so hot. If I had to pick one of these teams as a must-win for, it's definitely the Broncos. Raiders, not so hot so far, obviously. But the Chargers and Chiefs just did battle um, last Thursday night. Great game for both teams. Chiefs came out on top, as they should, um, at least at home. But if the Broncos want to have any shot at making a wild-card spot, they are currently third in that division in terms of eye-level tests. You know, you give them a litmus right. test, eye-level test, that's a third-place AFC West team. In any other division in the AFC, they might be first or second. But, you you, you know, how, that's how the cookie crumbles. The Broncos have to win this game. And if they don't, and Jimmy G strolls into Denver and gives them a mile-high ass kick, um, one, Hackett's on the hot seat already, as he should be. And then, two, we're talking about, look at all this money they spent on Russell Wilson. I can guarantee you that Elway has Hackett on the hot seat ready to say, get the hell out. We'll find somebody else. We'll call f***ing Vic Vangio back. And he oh, could, God. I would, I would, right now, after what Hackett did, after his little show to start the season, Maybe it, maybe if you want to call it a late overreaction Monday, maybe that's it. Um, but I can tell you from what I've seen, there's a lot of people saying, you know what, what maybe maybe Vic Fangio would have done a better job with Russell Wilson. I mean, they're not they're paying him a lot of money, and I'm not saying it's all on Hackett. Um, but that first week play call that that's about as bad as I've seen in a long time. That was um, a few more of these things around the NFL here. Uh, Dak out, you know, this past week, Cooper Rush gets the start and, uh, Cooper Rush plays well. The Cowboys were, you know, big underdogs against Cincinnati and they find a way, a way to win. Cooper Rush has looked good when he's started, you know, the last, you know, a couple games these past two seasons here, um, you know, the, the Eagles are far and away the best team in that division. But, you know, th this was a game that all signs pointed to that the Bengals should win, right? And the Cowboys find a way to win. I wonder, is it is it too early to write off this Cowboys team yet? I, I feel like this, this Giants game on Monday nights is going to tell me everything. If the Cowboys win, they're still in it. Too early to write them off. Wait and see what happens when they get Dak back. But if they if they lose this, then then uh, uh, we're good to write off the Cowboys here. I think this this is this game on Monday for me, Tom, is way more about the Cowboys than it is about the Giants. 
Giants, sure, they're 2-0, and but they're frauds. Giants aren't going anywhere. Yeah, Giants are the worst 2-0 team in the league, probably. But, uh, you know, I probably think ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe so. Uh, and, and, you know, after this week, they might be the worst 3-0 team, you know. I, here's here's the main storyline. It's not, is Dallas okay? It's more so for me, storyline-wise, is did Mike McCarthy just get his season saved? Did he just get his job saved by having Dak hurt? I think is, McCarthy is, makes it through the year, but I still think he's going to get fired at the end of the year. You think he's fired even with Dak now hurt and could be out for five games? Does, yeah. that, change any, does that change anything? Um, is Sean Payton still available? Well, that's a good question. Or, or you know, here's here's a dark horse. Who, if 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 sports betting was a was legal in Oklahoma, or they had to set up like it is now in Kansas, I might throw twenty five dollars on Kellen Moore as the next head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Low key. I like Kellen Moore. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about him on this show over the years. Um, you know, he, I think he's a great offensive mind, but I still think all signs point to Sean Payton being that next head coach. Uh, you know, that it seems like everything is going to work out that way, but you know, it's Cowboys too. They can always screw that up as well. Packers taking on the Bucks, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, America's game of the week on Fox, uh, between these two teams, Brady has looked all right through two weeks. Same with Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's looked all right uh, at this point. Tom, what, what do we think of uh, this matchup here uh, between these uh, these two teams? It, it it seems like that they're they're pretty even right now. I know that the Packers didn't look great week one, but when when you size them up talent-wise and with the Bucks issues with their offensive line and then the – Packers issues with their lack of receivers, it kind of feels like this one pretty pretty well evens out, pretty evenly matched teams right now at this point. You know, that you mentioned that and and you want to talk about the quarterbacks in this game. You got Tom Brady, you got Aaron Rodgers, two of the greatest quarterbacks of the last 20 years. And then you look at it again and you realize the teams that they're on, Packers. Okay, you got A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, you're talking about an Aaron Jones that's coming off of a almost 200-yard game, flirting with it. And then you got a Bucks team that has Mike Evans suspended. Um, Julio Jones has been banged up. They got uh, Ch- uh, Brait at tight end, who was nothing, yeah, nothing to write home about. Uh, they just signed Cole Beasley to the practice squad, who should be – um, on the active roster, the 53-man roster here pretty quick. I thought he and, he'd he want to pair up with Aaron Rodgers, you know, those two, you know, with their right, – the vaccines. Yeah, and, and Cole Beasley honestly looks like he'd drink ayahuasca tea or, uh, you know, maybe be heavy on the shrooms, honestly. But, um, you know, you're looking at two quarterbacks who traditionally have had great receivers – you know, Aaron Rodgers, probably Tom Brady's had it better overall if you want to look at it. But, um, you know, that could be discussed. You're looking at two teams that are very hurt at the receiver position right now. I don't know what Julio Jones is going to do. I don't know if he's going to come back and be okay. 
He had somewhat of a resurgence in the first game. You're looking at two teams and two quarterbacks that are great all time, and then you're looking at two teams who are have two good running backs. Aaron Jones, Larry Fournette, pretty solid overall. We could get into some old-school football here considering the receiving course for both of these teams. Yeah, yeah, we very well could. The Bills are without question the best team in football, and it's not even close. I mean, everyone else right now is playing for second. I mean, when I watch the Bills play these last two weeks, Tom, I feel like it's college football and I'm watching Georgia or I'm watching Alabama, right? You know, the way that they have just been dominating. Both now, you, now you take on this, this Miami Dolphins team this week and, you know, it it feels like it, it Tom, okay, you want to talk comparisons again, like to the cows level. The Bills feel like Alabama, and this Dolphins team is Texas, right? The Dolphins, okay, you know, they're Tua is their Quinn Ewers, or you know, they got these receivers, you know, these these you know these breakout guys, you know, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, you know, they've had their moments here and there, but let's see what they can actually do to put it put it together against this buzzsaw that is the Buffalo Bills. That's how good Buffalo is right now. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, they've Buffalo against the Titans, they dismantled them. I didn't think they could put two performances like that against the Rams and then the Titans back-to-back. Derek – or not Derek, sorry, not Derek Carr. Derek Henry had, like, less than 20 yards rushing overall. Granted, he was pretty much locked up and finished by midway through the third. Um. And then, you know, they, they kind of midway through the third, Jones, I, I know you saw it too, they kind of cleared their bench and kind of threw the white flag um, a la, you know, teams like in the NBA when they know the game's over. They essentially, both teams cleared their bench at a certain point. And I, I thought that point was when one of the Titans went down with a friendly fire neck injury. Um, and then you had Micah Hyde go down for – the bills as well so that defense for the bills is going to be a little deflated in terms of starters not i don't think enough you still have Poyle for the bills who is an, an all pro defensive back um and you got von miller that's going to be rushing to and, and probably causing problems all game i don't know how good that that dolphins front you know, that front offensive line is. But like you mentioned, you said Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, the two fastest players in football on the same team. The Bills' defense is going to be tested. Uh, we, we saw it with the Ravens this past week. I mean, the Dolphins came back, and, and one, of a, one of the best comebacks I've seen, it was really kind of underrated. I didn't and, – and I don't know about you, Jones. I'd like to hear your opinion covering the NFL. I haven't really heard – a whole lot about that comeback from the Dolphins this week. It's kind of under the radar. Yeah, it has. It has been under the radar. I did hear Rex Ryan on uh, Get Up the other day say, you know, take a shot at Mike McDonald, the uh, defensive coordinator of the Ravens, saying that uh, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing um, and that he's not this hot shot defensive coordinator he claims to be. Um that was probably the most it got talked about was sexy Rexy, you know, attacking the Ravens. But yeah, I mean, I uh, did get, get forgotten about Lamar played well, but 
the defense certainly had some issues there. But yeah, I mean, it was a it was a big time win for Miami uh, to pull that off like they did and send a statement to the rest of the league, uh, as far as I'm concerned. One more thing on the NFL front, and then we'll move on. We'll talk some Big 12 football here. Um, when I when I look at this uh, this slate of games in the NFL, that Chiefs Colts game is uh, going to be occurring Sunday at noon, and the Chiefs look great against Arizona Week One, Week Two, a little shaky against the Chargers. There, they were certainly tested, but. They did pull it together in the end. They played better in that second half, got the job done here. Now as we go week by week here, Tom, I'm wondering, you know, this Chiefs team, are we going to what, – what's their, their limitations? Are they going to be like what we saw last week where, you know, they're going to be high-powered offense, but they're not going to be the Buffalo Bills? Or are we going to see at some point this year – like, are they going to be the team that could contend to the the Bills level? Like, you know, they, they seem to be even even with what they've lost. And and at this point, I still feel like that Kansas City is still the 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 team to go through Buffalo. That if anyone's going to take down the Bills, I'm still putting my money that Kansas City is that team to have the best shot in the AFC to do so right now. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think they're Essentially, and I'm not alone. This is I'm just, you're not getting anything new out of me here, saying this, and and I'm not the first person. I'm not going to be the last person to say it. That you know, the Chiefs and the Bills are the two top teams in the NFL right now. They just so happen to both be in the AFC. I did see a tweet that I related a lot to with this. That they said at this point, we're only playing a 17 game season to see if the AFC Championship will be in Kansas City or if it will be in Buffalo. It feels like really? I mean, I hate to say that two, three weeks in, but right now, that's the storyline. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah, it does. All right. Our uh, Big 12 breakdown coming up in just a bit. Later on, Carter Stanley set to join us as we'll talk some Kansas football. And uh, later on, Coach Bo will be here. We'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week. But right now, time for the Big 12 Breakdown here on the Jones Report. It is the Big 12 Breakdown. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a look inside the Big 12 Conference. And later on, we're going to talk to Carter Stanley. But right now, Tom, we begin our Big 12 Breakdown as we have done the last couple of weeks with our Big 12 hot takes and for me where where I'm going to start last week I talked quarterback that I wasn't sold yet on Dylan Gabriel Gabriel made me look bad he played good but even then I still have concerns about his accuracy so I still need to see more from Gabriel but we'll, we'll see what he puts together my hot take this week, I'm going to stay in the quarterback situation, and this is going to set up well for when we're joined by Carter Stanley here in a moment. Um, I think right now the best quarterback in the Big 12 Conference is in Lawrence, Kansas. Jalen Daniels is playing terrific. He's passing it well. He's running it well. That KU offense is, is really – 
just looking spectacular. And that Houston game, that's a tough defense. That's a tough defensive line, and it did not matter. They came back from 14 down and just ran away with that game, and Jalen Daniels did it all. That's my hot take this week. Jalen Daniels, best quarterback in the Big 12 right now. What's your hot take for this week, Tom? Jones, my hot take, involves a little bit of Big 12 and it involves a little bit of Big 10. My hot take this week, you heard it here first, Baylor is going to walk in to Ames, Iowa this weekend against an, a Matt Campbell-led Iowa State team, and they're going to blow the doors off of them. Iowa State's a three-point favorite with all the drama with, with Nebraska saying, oh, we like maybe Lance Leopold, we like Matt Campbell. We, You know, they've even I've even heard Chris Kleiman mention. All that's going to rattle a little bit. Matt Campbell has some things to think about. I know he's one of the top candidates for that Nebraska job. You know, you could, if you're an Iowa State fan, you say, no, he's not leaving. He's not going anywhere. Be real with yourself and realize what position he's in. He could go straight west and and have a primetime job. Baylor walks into Ames this weekend and absolutely blows the doors off Iowa State. Okay. That's my hot take. Okay. I like it. Um, looking at the uh, Big 12 slate of games this week, let's begin Thursday night football. West Virginia taking on Virginia Tech. Uh, West Virginia is a one and a half point favorite. Tom, um, West Virginia loses to Kansas a couple weeks ago, loses to their arch rival pit. Both those games very close, but you and I have made it known we are not fans of Neil Brown. Maybe you could even add this to the Big 12 hot take segment, but I don't think it's a hot take. I think I firmly believe this. Um, if West Virginia loses Thursday night, they will have a new head coach on Friday. I agree. I agree. I would have said the same thing, that this is a must-win for Neil Brown. Virginia Tech is no no hard or heavy hitter this year. They're not this, – this Tech team is not who we they, – they're not who they used to be. Right. But you even know, if we do that, Tom, we say must win, you know, to keep his job for the next day. At that point, still though, he's still just buying time, right? I mean, he's going right. to be gone. It's just not. It's a matter of when, not if. Right. I mean, to keep his job this year, he's going to have to. You know, he he's not going to. He doesn't have to make. I, I think for Neil Brown to keep his job at West Virginia, he's not going to necessarily have to make the Big Twelve championship by any means. They don't have to necessarily go to Arlington, but they need to. West Virginia, with the talent they have and with the time that Neil Brown's been given, they should be a 7-8 win team at least. Um, you know, at, at this point, and what we know about K-State so far, they should be, with the talent they have, especially, they, you know, they have uh, they have a great quarterback. Um, they have a, a decent wide receiving core, and and they have a, they've had for the past couple of years a, a pretty good defensive line. They should be what K-State – what we expect out of K-State right now is what I think we've kind of should have come to expect from a West Virginia team. They should be, you know, fourth or fifth in the Big 12, making a bowl game, going out and winning it. Neil Brown has not lived up to that hype. 
Um, and, and, and if he doesn't get there this year, if he doesn't win this game, Jones, I, I think he probably knows it. And I, I think West Virginia fans know it too. This is a big game for West. Well, not necessarily for West Virginia. It is too, but recruiting purposes, but at the same time, if you're Neil Brown, you're walking into this game knowing I have to win this game. This is, this is not a tech team that is intimidating. This right. is a Virginia tech team. You should beat. Right. Absolutely. Um, the Saturday slate of games. TCU takes on SMU. Dykes taking on his old team that he left, went across the metro from Dallas to Fort Worth, and that rubbed a lot of SMU folks the wrong way. The game is at SMU. I'm sure he's not going to get a very warm welcome. There's a lot of excitement around this game, Tom. I mean, in the DFW area, like, this is going to be a sellout. I think it's already sold out. And the tickets for the TCU-SMU game on the secondary market are much higher than the tickets are for Texas A&M-Arkansas right now. Like, it, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg if you want to try to go to this TCU-SMU game, which is just bizarre. But with that said, uh, TCU – TCU is better than I thought they were going to be at this point. They're two and all, but this uh, this SMU team, Tom, got a lot to play for here. Rivalry game, total trap game right here. Uh, I I'd, I'd probably lean towards SMU in this matchup, quite frankly. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know what the spread is, honestly. I bet it's probably like what TCU by six and a half, five and a half. Uh, spread is a TCU by two. And uh, I don't know what the status is of Chandler Morris, but it could be a battle of two former OU quarterbacks and uh, Morris and uh, Tanner Mordecai here. Yeah, it would be very interesting. And, and you know, I like what you said about SMU, though. This is definitely a trap game. This has, you know, you want to talk about Big 12 trap games uh, against non-Power 5 opponents. This is this has K-State. Tulane written all over for TCU and SMU, and and even on a greater detail because how how far is the campuses? How far is TCU away from SMU? Thirty minutes, right? I mean, this is you know this is everything for SMU, and you know they have higher hopes in in their conference. TCU knows that they're not going to go play in Arlington, most likely. Um, you know, granted, there's some pride for Sonny Dykes there, but. This is a trap game for TCU. This is this is you know if Gary Patterson's a coach. I feel better about TCU chances, um, but you know SMU is going to come play. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Duke and KU, KU coming in as a seven and a half point favorite. First time they've been favored all year. One is an underdog three weeks in a row. And what what I'll say for this Kansas team now. You know, they have the nation's attention, right? You know, they were trying to hit college game day and all that and and everything that's been talked about about this Kansas team this week. And everybody's been hyping them up, expecting a sellout crowd there in Lawrence. Um, what I would caution Lance Leipold and this Kansas team is, as Nick Saban would say, the rat poison. Like, now that everybody's telling you you're all that in a bag of chips, how are you going to respond? Can you still 
go out there and dominate and not let that get to your head too much, you know, not not buy into that because you know they they played that underdog role. Now you go from being the hunter to the hunted. I I, I do wonder that. That's I look at this game, Tom, uh, against Duke here. The only thing that can beat Kansas is themselves because on paper they're better than Duke in every way here. Oh, of course they are. And and Jones, I'm more interested too. Obviously, I'm interested in seeing KU go four and zero. I'm really interested, Jones, and I, obviously you have the insider being a KU guy. What are, what are they saying in Lawrence? Is is the booth going to be packed out? Is it? It's a sellout. Uh, yes. That's awesome. And and KU has no reason not to go win this game. And if they do, you know, I, I think I like what you said about the rat poison, too. And I'm sure Lance Leopold's has been, you know, has addressed that to say, well, you know, we, we mentioned early on in the show, not, uh, you know, we mentioned it earlier on with just me and you talking. I said, well, you know, one game at a time for KU. That's what it has to be. And Lance Leopold's done a good job of that so far, and he should continue to do that. I think he will. And, and you're absolutely right. KU has no reason to be losing this game. Houston's yeah. a much tougher opponent than Duke will be. Yeah, for sure. Baylor and Iowa State. I don't know Iowa State right now. I know you beat Iowa. That was big. Even if Iowa is trash, and they are, beating your arch rival, ending that you know losing streak was a big deal. And to be 3-0 in September is very different for Iowa State. But – I'm still waiting for them to really be tested here. And here it is with this Baylor team. Baylor, um, not a bad loss losing to BYU on the road. Late night game and all that. Not the end of the world. They lost that game there. Um, I, I give an edge to Baylor in this game. This looks like a good game. Baylor and Iowa State have produced some really good games over the years, Tom. Um, but for me, I, I, I feel – I feel like I know Baylor more here than I do Iowa State. Even with the loss they suffered, it wasn't a bad loss. I feel better about Baylor. Yeah, so do I. And 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 I'm not even saying this because Baylor won the Big 12 last year. Granted, it was by a couple of inches. But, you know, that being said, like I, I told you my hot take earlier, I'm going to stick by it. Um, I'll, you know, and, and, and if I'm wrong, I'll own up to it next week. You'll hear from me first. I'll, I'll start the segment off next week with me owning up to it. I, and, and if I'm right, I'll let you know I'm right. Cause I think I'm going to be Baylor's going to go into Ames and they are going to dismantle Iowa state. Iowa state's not going to be able to, to score with Baylor. Um, uh, Baylor, I still think has something to prove. They didn't start off too hot. Against Texas State, they finished the second half very well. They ran the ball very well. Um, and I think they'll continue to do so against Iowa State. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned Matt Campbell as probably a little, you know, maybe a few ties, maybe a few rumors to go to Lincoln. Um, I don't know if that will be the difference or not. You mentioned we don't really know this Iowa State team. I'll tell you how we do know them. It's still September when they're going to play. And we know how Iowa State how Iowa State does in September. Um, you know their new quarterback is it, with Deckers has not been a bad. He's he's actually been good considering all things. You know it's Brock Purdy has big shoes to fill, and he he's done a pretty good job so far overall. Uh, being brand new, 
Baylor, I think, is going to walk into Ames and they are going to try to make a statement. And I think Aranda is going to do so. Yeah, I think so. A uh, couple more here to uh, break down. Texas and Texas Tech. Texas potentially gets back Quinn Ewers this week. It felt like that UTSA game. And UTSA, I think, was better than people realize. You know, they've played some really good football over the last couple of years. That UTSA game was about survival, right? It was, okay, Hudson Carr's banged up, Ewers is out, and just getting beat up physically. And they won that, and they looked good. They, they did enough. Now you play Tech, you go on the road here, potentially get Quinn Ewers back. Tech had a nice win against Houston a couple weeks ago. They're a two-and-one football team here. Um, you know, if, if Texas is for real, uh, I, I think that this is one of those, Tom, that the next statement to be made here is a convincing win. If, if Texas has a convincing win – then when they meet with OU and Dallas in a, in a couple weeks, then all the noise will be ramped back up again. I mean, the the Alabama close game, recover against UTSA, now you get the convincing win here. Um, here we go. Yeah, Jones, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm curious if you'll agree with me here on this or not, you know, you're up against a tech team. I believe this game is in Lubbock. Yes. And I believe it is – is it a night game? 2.30 kick. Okay, so you're not playing at night in Lubbock, so that's cool. Uh, you know, because, I mean, it's weird. Tech at night, it's, it's weird. You're out in the – you're, you're yeah, way you out. don't know if you're getting, where the tortilla, tortillas are coming from. Exactly. You know, I, it's just one of them things. Um, and – you know, here's the deal for Texas. They do need a convincing win. It, it, I wouldn't call it convincing over UTSA. UTSA was up by a score and a half um, on t on Texas at one point in the first half. You know, and they relied on Bijan Robinson, rightfully so, to carry the load through the second half. And they got the job done. You barely lose to Alabama. And then in your previous game, sure, you took care of business against a cupcake. That's that's cool. Um, they do need a convincing win, maybe for the voters and things like that. But if I'm Texas right now, a lot of talk about Quinn Ewers being back. A lot of, lot of saying, well, he's already back. He's already here. We're okay. We're fine. Hudson Carr is, is not a bad quarterback, but he's banged up too. But, no, we got Quinn Ewers ready to go. If yeah. I'm Texas, if I'm Texas – I'm not rushing Quinn Ewers back. You can beat Tech with Hudson Carr. You get out of Lubbock alive, even if it's not convincing. Do not risk Quinn Ewers. You know right. this is this is the difference between a you know risking Quinn Ewers or getting by Tech with Hudson Carr and being okay. And even if it's not very convincing, that's the difference between a Big Twelve championship and missing the cut. Yeah. I think so. K-State and Oklahoma. Um, K-State, this team looked so bad last week after looking really good against Mizzou. That offense could not move the football. Adrian Martinez looked like the Nebraska Adrian Martinez. I'll say this. If Adrian Martinez plays that same way again, this is going to be ugly. Adrian Martinez has to move the football down the field. 
Chris Kleiman's a smart coach. He's a good. He's a very good coach. And I think you have to push your quarterback to do that. If not, Oklahoma could do the same thing they did in Nebraska last week. Um, I expect Oklahoma to win this game. I think they're going to win this game with ease. But really, it comes down to what Adrian Martinez is going to do. If Adrian Martinez is willing to push the football and doesn't turn the ball over, then we have an interesting game here. But if he either turns the ball over or doesn't push the ball down the field, Oklahoma's going to run him out of the building. Oh, no question. He looked like a nervous Nelly against Tulane, and that's the whole game on tape for OU to consider over another week. And not only OU, but for other Big 12 teams to see that tape on on K-State from, you know, a completely different team from the team that, that handed it to Mizzou, you know, compared to this game that they played Tulane in. When, you know, we all said it was a trap game, but I I didn't expect K-State to cover, but I did expect them to win last week, and they didn't. Uh, like I said, that's a full game on tape, Jones. They got to make some changes. They don't have Skylar Thompson, the wild card, to come in and rescue them. Uh, got to get Deuce Vaughn more involved in some way. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, Deuce Vaughn's incredible. Got to have him out there more. Oklahoma, so good last week against Nebraska. Did everything right. Could have won by a lot more than what they did. Now, uh, for this this Oklahoma team, it's – in their case, you don't have the letdown, right? You did what you, you did. I mean, you put the country on notice last week. Now you, everybody's talking about, you know, Oklahoma's a playoff team and all this. Tom, I mean – you and I, I think we'd both agree. That's the most physical they've looked in a long time, in a very long time, both sides of the football, especially in that defense. I haven't seen them punch a team like that in the mouth in a while, for sure. If, if Oklahoma is legit, that cannot be an anomaly. Like games against K-State, some of these others, you got to keep on fighting. You got to keep on punching in the mouth here. No, can't back down now. Can't let that be a one-time thing. Yeah, you know what they're capable of now. I mean, they, you, you, you keep that same physicality up for the rest of the year, and and then yeah, it, it's, you know, it's difficult to keep that same physicality up, and it's easy to get up for a robber game like, even even against a, a bad team like Nebraska, uh, you know, it's it's easy to get up for because of the rivalry, but you keep the same intensity, the same physicality, um, it'll be hard to top OU in the Big Twelve. Yeah. I think so. More to come here on the uh, show as we will be joined by Carter Stanley to get his thoughts on the Kansas Jayhawks and uh, chat with him about what he's up to now in days. That is on the other side. Stay with us. Carter Stanley joins us next. We are so excited to have on the show this week, former KU quarterback, Carter Stanley, as we're talking all about the 3-0 and undefeated Kansas Jayhawks, as Carter Stanley joins us right now. Carter, such a pleasure to have you on with us, man. I imagine you're uh, pretty excited about these Jayhawks right now. Yeah, yeah, Tyler, thanks for having me on. 3-0 and definitely sounds good, and no, it's been, uh, been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Carter, before we dive in too much and uh, talk some football with you, what are you up to uh, these days, man? Uh, you're uh, you're down in Florida now, right? 
Yeah, yeah, living down in Florida, living in uh, St. Petersburg, the uh, Tampa Bay area, and uh, working with UBS doing private wealth management. Liking it a lot, um, loving the area, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been good. So, uh, what's uh, what's been like out of football uh, a bit? You uh, you getting the itch to still be around the game uh, of some sorts? What's uh, what's that been like for you? Yeah, no, definitely get the itch. Um, it's funny. I was in my backyard a few weeks ago, and it was uh, it was like a weekday, probably around six o'clock, and I heard some whistles blowing. And sure enough, there was some youth football going on at a park about a quarter mile away from my house. And <clears throat> I walked over and, you know, thought about getting into it and um, had some things going on at the time, was studying for uh, some exams with work. But no, I, I definitely want to get involved with them at some point and, you know, any sort of football at, at any point, I'll, I'll accept it. What uh, what level would you love to be involved in if you had to choose? College, high school, maybe you know the the junior levels. Uh, what would be your idea if if you you got into maybe the coaching side of things? Yeah, I mean it's it's a whole nother commitment. Like for where I'm at right now, it would just be you know definitely uh, youth ball or something, or, or maybe helping out with a high school team. But um, no, if, if I were to make that my profession, I'd probably. <clears throat> excuse me, probably uh, go to, I'd say probably the college side of it. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, well, and, and you're a natural leader. Uh, we saw uh, your time at Kansas and the way the guys rallied around you. Uh, I think that'd be, you'd be a terrific uh, coach, uh, Carter, if uh, you got the opportunity. That'd be great to see. So so tell me this. Uh, I mean, your time at Kansas, we, we know about what you guys did, you know, beating Texas and, and everything and, going from David Beatty to Les Miles. I mean, this gap between when Mark Mangino left and now with Lance Leipold, I mean, you guys were, were, were paving the way for this moment. I mean, you might not be there, but I would imagine it's still rewarding to see the program headed this direction based on that foundation you guys laid there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's awesome to see regardless of, um, you know, regardless of what happened throughout the years, whether you're a class of, you know, 2010 guy or a class of 2019 guy. It's, I think all, all Jayhawks are, and obviously even way before that, but <clears throat> I think all Jayhawks are proud to see what's going on right now. And, you know, what uh, Travis Goff and uh, coach Leipold and, and the rest of the staff has, has done. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, <clears throat> it, it's been great. Uh, no doubt about it. What, what do you, what, what's different that Lance Leipold is doing with this program and the town on the field, maybe than, what we've seen with other coaches that have tried to do this before at KU. You know, it's, uh, it's really tough to tell not being, not being in the facility um, and, and seeing what they do on a daily basis. And, you know, even dating back to their whole off season with January, February, March, you know, those months and, and over the summer. And you just tell though, that those guys are fully bought in. Um, you know, they've, they've made their goals very clear and, uh, no, it's just awesome to see how efficiently they've uh, they've been first three games. Jalen Daniels uh, has certainly been impressive uh, so far to this point. What do you make of what he's been able to put together for this KU team? Yeah, I mean, speaking of efficient, he's it's been about as good as they come so far, and uh, it's been awesome to see just with how they finished the year last year, 2021. Um, it was definitely encouraging, and, you know, I think those guys took that momentum and, you know, they <clears throat> certainly haven't missed a beat so far this year. And it's 
been incredible just to see his talent mixed with, uh, you know, the coaching and, and the scheme. And, you know, they've, uh, they've looked really sharp. Yeah, uh, he's been really good. And, and the offense, the way that they've just moved as a whole, I mean, uh, what a collective unit there. Uh, what, what do you think of this, uh, this offensive group? Awesome to watch. Um, you know, I, I love the scheme personally, and um, it re- really stands out to me how they've been able to establish the run, and that's so huge. And it all starts up front too. It's that those the offensive linemen they've been doing a great job, and um, it's it's awesome to see. It's it's not like they're necessarily you know out physicaling these other teams. It, it's just a lot of it is technique and leverage and. Um, no, top to bottom, it's it's been great. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, the the talent on the field. Uh, who are some of the guys that stand out to you besides Jalen Daniels when you're watching this team? Who uh, who grabs your eye, catches your attention here? Yeah, I'd say uh, I'd say the center Nowitzki. I apologize yeah. if I'm you know pronouncing that wrong, but uh, Nowitzki and Big Earl, left tackle Earl Bostic, uh, the, the two big guys up front. They've been great. Obviously, the uh, the running backs, not only De- or not only Devin Neal, but also um, you know Highshaw, Morrison, Tory Lachlan, and uh, Kai Thomas. I mean, it's, they got about five guys that could produce from that position, and also the receivers as well. I, I love watching uh, Luke Graham and um, Lawrence Arnold, and I mean, shoot, tight ends as well. While we're at it, but no, it's uh, it's been awesome to see. I think they had eleven players catch a pass um, last weekend, and just goes to show you how how much they can spread it around. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, this system, fast pace, a lot of points. Uh, Carter's this the type of system? Would you love to play it in this uh, this system we're seeing from uh, Lance Leipold here? Yeah, no, definitely. It's it looks like. Uh, they definitely have their staple and, and base plays down, but I feel like any given play, and I've told a few people this, but I feel like any given play, they could draw out, you know, kind of a uh, gadget play or a trick play. And, you know, it's something new every week. So, uh, no, it's been, it's been really fun to watch and I would have loved to play in it. Oh yeah. Um, I'm hearing, you know, at three and oh, everything's on the table, right. When it comes to, you know, going to a bowl game or, uh, you know, how many wins this team could accomplish here. Uh, what, what would you like to see? I mean, uh, realistically, what, what would be this season? It already feels like it's been a success, but how far you think this team could potentially go, Carter? Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to say, and uh, I don't want to jinx anything, but, you know, I think those guys are just going to take it week by week. And, you know, if they do that, then, you know, truly the sky's the limit. And I think they could shock a lot of people and, we could look up at the end of the year and, and be looking at a top 25 football team, to be honest with you. But um, with that being said, it's the big 12 every single week from here on out, you're going to be playing really good competition, whether it's home or away. And uh, you know, I, I hope those guys just take it week by week, enjoy the whole process. And, you know, at this rate, definitely hoping for a bowl game, but um, you know, we'll, we'll take it week by week. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when, when you look at, the rest of this big 12, I mean, there's some good teams in this league here. Uh, what, what matchups intrigue you? You know, I, I, obviously the Texas game stands out, but what are, what are some things here you think where, where KU could, can make some noise here? Yeah. So, it, you know, it definitely starts, obviously we got this week against Duke um, before we really get into the, the conference play, but 
Um, not to take anything away from from these teams, but I think Iowa State and, and maybe TCU, um, you know, they're they're maybe not as as good as what they have been in, in recent years. And I think that could be a big opportunity for us to uh, take advantage of games like that, especially with how we're playing right now. And there's certainly a rough stretch in the middle there of, of just tough games. And, you know, I know those guys will be ready for it, but I think it's uh, at Oklahoma, at Baylor, and then I think Oklahoma State at home. But like I said, it's a big 12. You're going to play good teams and, um, you know, can't really single out a, a single opponent, but yeah. they'll, uh, they'll be ready. Well, and uh, for those that don't know, Carter, I mean, what what Lance Leipold walked into of not even having spring ball last year and this being his first full year on top of what he inherited from Les Miles and Jeff Long, you know, leaving and everything. I mean, what what did he walk into here? I mean, it's amazing how quickly he's been able to, to turn this thing around like this. Yeah, no, it is incredible. Also, um you know, just crazy because that that whole 2020 season, uh, Coach Miles last year, combination of of COVID and um, you know a lot of guys in that graduating class that they lost, and you know that that whole 2020 year was just kind of felt weird. So after that, um, you know they have spring ball, and then they decide to move on from Coach Miles. So it, it was just kind of a weird time overall, and you know I, I feel like the roster and, and the program really wasn't in a good place at all. And for them to come in last year without a spring ball and, you know, obviously in the win loss record, it wasn't great, but if you're, if you're watching every Saturday, you know, it was more than j- just the last three games. It was really kind of the last, you know, five or so I'd say that they looked really sharp and um, you could just see improvement every single week. So it's been incredible. I think those guys have just fully bought into the system and, you know, that helps a lot when you got a, a coach like Coach Lightbold and his staff that's been together for so long and just that continuity that they have. This isn't their first time, you know, building a program, and it's been uh, really encouraging to see. Well, correct me if I'm wrong here, Carter, but there's some guys on this team that uh, that you you played with even. Uh, Luke Grimm, some of the others here. I mean, uh, what's it like seeing some of these guys just – guys you played with being able to, to cheer them on like this seems succeed like that I imagine that's going to be pretty cool yeah no it's been awesome it's uh it's funny it makes me feel old now but uh m- most of the guys are definitely freshmen maybe redshirt freshmen um and also it helps that they had the COVID year to kind of count as an extra redshirt but no it's it's so cool remembering some of those guys what they looked like when they were 18 years old um and and seeing them now it's you know kind of night and day and you know, to see that they've stuck it out that long and, you know, kind of see the, uh, the fruits of their labor produce. It's, it's been really cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. And, uh, Carter, I, I, I got to ask you, you know, since we have you here and everything, uh, I, I want to go back in time a little bit, you know, your, your story and everything. When you look back at your time at KU and, uh, I mean, you want some big games. We mentioned, you know, breaking the, uh, the road conference record against Boston college and, beating Texas and everything. I mean, what stands out to you about your time at, at, at KU? And and uh, we mentioned your building, laying this foundation for what these guys have now. What, what was your time at KU like? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, tough to, you know, really say one moment kind of, but I love the whole process. And and we all knew what we had the opportunity to do, you know, as, a, as players, whether it was uh, – 
guys that were seniors early on or, or guys that were younger, we all knew that, you know, there was going to be one class that was, that was going to turn this thing around. And, you know, we were all trying to be that, that class or that team. And, you know, it's tough to say that, you know, if that occurred or not, but no, I, I think, uh, I think we definitely had the passion, had the heart and, um, you know, it's, it's so awesome to see that they got coach Leipold in there now and those guys are truly bought in and, you know, as former players, it's been, been awesome to watch. I'm in a group message with a lot of those guys and we're all fired up every Saturday watching those guys play. So. Oh yeah. That's awesome. And, and in your career, I mean, you were, you were the starting quarterback when they beat Texas the first time and went toe to toe with UT and Austin came up a little bit short, but uh, I think every KU fan remembers you throwing the horns down and everything. I mean, what were those games like going up against Texas and beating them and then coming up so close that that game in Austin there, uh, I believe it was the next year after. Yeah, no, that was uh, a lot of fun. You know, a lot of, a lot of good games with them. Um, it, it always seemed to be a good game with them because I remember the year we beat them 2016 coach Beatty kind of asked our team like in the walkthrough uh, before I think the day before the game, he just pretty much asked, like, how many of you guys are from Texas? And, you know, one third of the the players' hands go up. And how many of you guys were offered by Texas? And it was maybe like one or two guys. And, you know, he just said, if that doesn't give you enough motivation, you know, I don't know what will. And, you know, playing against those guys in 2016, it was just definition of a team effort. Um, our defense killed it. I think we had like five turnovers. Uh, Fish Mission, um, Brandon Stewart with the pick six. And, you know, 2016 game was awesome and uh, definitely a good battle in 2019 as well. That was, that was a fun one, having my high school buddies there for the first time watching me play in college and um, obviously came up short in the end, but definitely a uh, memorable memorable game. Well, and, uh, you know, your, your era there, not only beating Texas, but the Boston College win was big. I mean – the Central Michigan win was big for you guys too. I mean, there there was some things in your time at KU, some uh, streaks that were finally broken. I mean, some weight lifted of, of sorts that you guys were able to accomplish there. Yeah, those always felt good. Um, you know, I, I think 2018, there was kind of a, uh, a streak there in the beginning where we felt good about, you know, a lot of those games. It was, like you mentioned, the Central Michigan game and um, – you know, to, to break that road losing streak, that felt great. Come out the next week and we played Rutgers. And uh, I think that maybe broke, uh, no, I, I guess not. But no, we, we played a good game against Rutgers. I think it was like 55 to 10 or 13 or something. And, you know, unfortunately only got one more win the rest of the year against TCU in a good game. But no, those, those games felt good because you put so much work in the off season and, you know, you're doing it with the guys that, uh, you know, you've been with for three or four years at that point, and to see it pay off, it definitely feels good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. The, uh, the talent you played with, you were around some good players that have turned out to have, uh, you know, decent careers in the pros. I mean, the, the likes of, you know, Kaleo Herbert, Puka Williams, you know, those are just off the top of my head here. I mean, some, some of the guys you played with ended up uh, – you know, going on to, to have uh, some, some nice careers elsewhere after Kansas. Yeah, no, I, I definitely keep in touch with those guys. Uh, 
you know, Steven Sims, Dorrance yeah. Armstrong, Daniel Wise, Keem Adenogy. Um, you know, there, there's been a few guys that were in the NFL for a little bit, maybe not be right now currently, but um, no, it's been, it's been awesome to see and flip it on the TV on Sundays, watching, you know, any given NFL game and seeing some Jayhawks in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's terrific. And when, when you look at, at this year's KU team too, and some of these players, uh, you know, Carter, I, I don't know about you. I look at these guys and I see whether it's the Devin Neals of the world. I mean, they're going to continue on that track. There's going to be even more KU guys, I think, going to the league here. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know I, know, I know Coach Leipold and his staff, they've definitely put some guys in the NFL um, when they were at Buffalo. And, um, you know, not saying that KU is, you know, crazy more talented than what the roster they had at Buffalo was right now. But, you know, they definitely got some guys on that roster right now. And, um, you know, whether it's just physical appearance, like passing the eye test or, you know, actually putting together the film, um, they definitely have a number of guys. Yeah, for sure. Carter, uh, we got a few more minutes left with you here. So I want to ask you, Kansas now has the coach. Uh, that's great to see. Now beyond that of, you know, building this program and taking the next steps, what's the next things that uh, that KU needs to do to, to continue on this track? What do they need to invest in as a program to continue on this uh, trajectory here? Yeah, I mean, I think for the immediate time being, it just uh, – continuing what they're doing week to week basis and taking care of business for 60 minutes on a football field. And, you know, you do that, uh, a lot of it will take care of itself afterwards. Then, you know, then we could talk about, you know, new stadium renovations. I know a lot of people are, are looking into that and, um, you know, some other things, but I think just from a week to week basis, buying into coach Leipold and, and these assistant coaches in the program, I think uh, that's going to take care of a lot. When you were there, uh, that's when the practice facility was built. Uh, how big of a change was that? Just just having an indoor facility uh, in, in your time there. Yeah, no, that was huge. That was uh, that was really really nice to have. We we got that um, I think in the winter of 2019. Um, so like right before winter workouts and spring workouts of my my fifth year senior year and. Um, I know the Anderson family was, was heavily involved in a donation that, you know, allowed that to happen. And, you know, we're, uh, we're super thankful for that because, you know, there was several times where we're out on the game field at 5am doing workouts and it's 20 degrees outside and freezing and, you know, just miserable, but you got a hundred guys out there that are running sprints and doing a full workout. So to have a uh, brand new indoor facility that was super nice, obviously for the football aspect of it too, for practices, especially in fall camp, it's nice to keep those, those players safe and, and uh, not overheated. So, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think facilities, like I said, if they keep on winning and, and taking care of business, a lot of that will, uh, will kind of come about. One question uh, I think that's on the minds of, uh, you know, KU fans or alums that see where this program's headed and want to get involved in some way, shape, or form, but maybe wondering how, what would, what would you ask of alums or fans that say, you know, hey, I want to invest in this program? What can they do to be a part of this and take this thing to the next level? Yeah, I'd say first things first, uh, you know, just back in the stadium on Saturdays, that, that goes – 
it's it's such a you know how do I, how do I word this it's it doesn't go unnoticed at all that's for sure um but it's it's it seems like such a little thing that goes such a long way for those players you know playing the games and you look up and you see a packed house that that just means the world of those guys and and obviously overall with the revenue of the program that helps but um you know with NIL now that's that's a that's a new thing and I don't know as far as uh, the details of contributions for that, but you could definitely get involved. Um, I know recently they they allowed uh, NIL deals for the players where you could just something as simple as buy the players' jerseys and, you know, a big portion, if not all the money goes to the players there. So, you know, just little things like that to support. And um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the future. Well, and, you know, with basketball coming off this national championship, uh, you know, the, the, the two programs can only make each other better. I mean, uh, I know people think of Kansas, you know, maybe outside, outside, think of it as such a, you know, basketball school and everything here. But I mean, I've been so impressed. I mean, the leadership and everything, I mean, they're all in putting football as a priority right up there with basketball. It seems Carter. Yeah, it's great. It's, uh, another thing that Travis Goff has done so well. And, you know, obviously basketball coming off of a national championship it's uh it's been an incredible time just to be a, a Jayhawk sports fan in general and um you know just even so freshly off of a national championship the amount of buzz that's going around the football program that just goes to show you how excited you know Jayhawks everywhere are about the potential of a good football team in general and uh you know I always thought my whole time out there that it wasn't you know, it's not like they're just diehard. They are diehard basketball fans, but it's not strictly basketball. You know, they were just dying for a good football team. And so any any sort of glimpse that we had, whether it was just single game performance or maybe had a, a stretch of a few games where we'd put a good product on the field, they uh, they would definitely make it known that they're supporting and, and they'd be uh, loud and proud. Last question. We'll end on this, Carter. Uh, if you were on this Kansas team or – maybe even taking it back to when you were a player. And we talked about some of these games ahead and how big they are. You know, Oklahoma and Texas on their way out of the conference and how fun it's been to beat Texas over the last couple of years. Or <laughs> whether it's the rivalry with K-State and, you know, it's been a while since KU's won that game. What, what game would be the most important or the one that you would want to win? I mean, what, what game do you think would mean a little more than – then maybe the others, maybe, uh, if, if you had to choose. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll say three, you know, number one for sure would be last game of the year at K-State, you know, that, that'd be huge to win. Um, like, are you kidding me? If, if we go to their place and, and win that game this year, that would just be incredible to watch. Um, I think you'd be pretty decent favorites right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, who knows? It's that's what I'm saying. It's uh shaping up like it could be a, a really good matchup this year. You know, they're always gonna bring it, um, K-State, and uh that would be a great one. But no, obviously at Oklahoma, that'd be another one that would be great with them going to the SEC. Is it next year they're they're joining? Uh they're saying 2025 right now, but I mean, we'll find out when we find out. That could change any day. Right. Yeah, but yeah, that, that'd definitely be a great one. Um, send them off with that. And then, uh, obviously, Texas coming 
I think uh, November 19th, that'd be a great one as well. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, I think I'm going to be there. Carter might be there. And, uh, hopefully we see a uh, KU win there to uh, get uh, get things done and send Texas out. Uh, Carter, yeah. before we go, where can uh, people reach out to you and find you? Uh, where, where you're at and everything these days, keep up with what you're doing, man. Yeah. Um, just uh, actually just started a new Twitter account because I got hacked back in like January. I think it was oh. the old, uh, yeah, the KU basketball player, or it was someone acting like it was his account. But uh, no, I'm on Twitter. It's uh, at Carter underscore Stanley9. Um, Instagram as well. Underscore stand nine and um, yeah, not not too not overly active except on Saturdays for that Jayhawk game. But uh, yeah, I guess that's where you can find me. Awesome stuff, Carter. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, excited to see the Jayhawks continue to keep on winning this year. I'm sure we'll be uh, talking down the line. Appreciate you joining us, man. Yeah, Tyler, I really appreciate it, man. Go on. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, OHEKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. You can also reach out to Bo by email, Brian.O'Connor at LPL.com. That's Brian with a Y, dot O'Connor at LPL.com. He is the host of the Coach Bo Knows Podcast. Out twice a week, every Monday and Friday, and he joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing this week? How are hey, we're doing all right. Hey, we're doing all right, man. It's been a crazy week, lots of football and uh, lots of things going on, but it, it's been a lot of fun. We had uh, hit the big double header on Monday night. That uh, that made the weekend a little bit longer and made it a little harder to get going with work this week, but uh, it's worth it. What you think of that uh, double header? It was different from. The other doubleheaders we've had of having two games at the same time. Yeah, we don't all have your setup with two TVs. So I had to do a little toggling back and forth. But once Buffalo got so far ahead, you're like, well, I'll watch the other game. So um, it's um, – yeah, I, I don't mind it. I mean, there's, there's multiple games. What are you going to do? I mean, we all want to watch everything, but we can't watch everything all at once. So – I don't, I don't, I didn't mind it. I don't, I'm glad that it wasn't something where it was late. You know, it wasn't past midnight when the second game got done, you know, stuff like that. And that, that could have easily happened if it had been, you know, one game at 631 at 930 and it, a West Coast game goes till, you know, 1130, 12, 1230. It might have been tough. Well, uh, I was thinking about this, you know, when they do these double headers, what they're doing is they're, taking away a regional game, right? That's one more game the national audience gets to see that they wouldn't see otherwise. So when I hear people complaining about, ah, you know, they they put these games on at the same time, I can't see both, or you got a West Coast game, you know, whatever. I'm like, well, you want to be able to see that game anyway if we're on just at, you know, 1 o'clock yeah. Eastern time or whatever anyway. Uh, I would love to see more of these doubleheaders, whether – it's, you know, after college football ends and you have these Saturday doubleheaders or, you know, Monday night back-to-back or even Thursday, you know, whatever it may be, maybe even Sunday night. I don't know. I mean, that's it's more football. To me, that's a win. That's more games that we are able to see. I, I would be all in favor of seeing more of these these doubleheader-type things happen. 
Yeah, I don't mind it at all. I mean, if you're going to give me more football, I'll take it. My biggest problem um, you know, is is just get to, get to Monday night. It's difficult because you you know you you've stayed up late for a Sunday night game. You have all weekend of football, and then Monday night if it goes late, that can be hard. But I don't have a problem with it when it's all said and done. And, um, you know, more football is always good. The biggest problem I had over the weekend was here in Kansas City is we had in the Sunday afternoon window, they gave us a division game, which was the Broncos and Texans instead of the national game, the Cowboys and Bengals. And I get it. You know, that's the same division as the Chiefs. But those are the Chiefs' rivals. It isn't like, you know, people are, like, craving to watch, you know, the the local team. I don't get why they do that. I mean, if you were a Dallas fan and the Cowboys had played, you know, Thursday night like the Chiefs did, and then the afternoon game was the Giants game, I don't want – they would put that game on instead of the national game? Right. kind of weird. I understand that that game is on in Houston, and I understand right. that game is on in Denver. But why My is God. it on in Kansas City? So this this Sunday, for example, um, the most of the nation is going to see the Chiefs and the Colts in that early window. When the best game of that window, I think, is the Miami game. Um, yeah. You know, Miami going up against Buffalo. And only 20% of America is going to be able to see Buffalo and Miami. I mean, like, some of this regional stuff, it, it, it blows my mind. It's 2022, and we're still trying to figure out regional broadcast windows. Just just nationally televise every game, for goodness sakes. Yeah, I mean, this, and I, you know, I, I, I used to, I had Sunday ticket for so many years, and it didn't matter. But I got rid of it because of the cost. And I'm sure that whether it's on Apple or Amazon next year, I'll be getting it back because I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to sit through a Texans Broncos game ever again. That was just awful. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, I have Sunday ticket at my employer uh, that I don't have to pay for it. So uh, it's been nice. I'll, I'll put it that way. Bo, let's uh, get to our pick slate this week of games yeah. on the docket. And uh, I'll tell the folks out there what the slate of games are this week. Uh, on the college side, number 20, Florida, taking on number 11, Tennessee. Tennessee favored 10 and a half. Number five, Clemson, taking on number 21, Wake Forest. Clemson favored by seven. Number 10, Arkansas, taking on number 25, Texas A&M in Arlington. A&M favored by one and a half. USC taking on Oregon State in Corvallis. USC favored by seven. Both teams undefeated. Number 17, Baylor taking on Iowa State. Iowa State favored by three in Ames. On the NFL side, Packers and Bucks. Bucks favored one and a half at home. Bills and Dolphins. Bills favored by five and a half on the road. The Rams taking on the Cardinals. Rams favored by three and a half uh, there in Arizona. The Raiders and the Titans. The Raiders favored by two. The Cowboys and the Giants. And the Giants favored by two at home. So that is the slate this week. Thomas Bridges is also here with us, and he'll be picking games as well. The standings, Bo and I are tied at 15, 14, and 1. Tom's a game back at 14, 15, and 1. So everybody within striking distance here. So, Bo, 
Let's get started right away in the Southeastern Conference. College game day is going to be there. Florida and Georgia, Tennessee favored by 10 and a half. Who you got? I'm just taking points here. I'm taking Florida plus 10 and a half. I feel like this is going to be a competitive game. I feel like Tennessee is going to win the game, but I feel like it's going to be close. So I'm going to take Florida plus the points. Ten and a half is a lot to lay. Yeah, I'm with you here. Uh, Tennessee is much improved from what they were, uh, you know, the last several years. Uh, I don't think Florida is that great despite the win against Utah, but too many points here. I'm going to go with uh, Tennessee – or I'm going to go with Florida here, rather, to uh, cover Tennessee to win outright. Tom, uh, your pick. Who do you got in uh, this one? Yeah, that's too many points. I got to go with Florida, too. Okay. Uh, so we all in agreement there with Florida as the underdog. Clemson taking on Wake Forest. Clemson favored by seven. Bo, you and I have said that Clemson is a fraud. Is seven points too much for the frauds? Oh, I'll take Wake and these seven points all day long. This is fraud. Fraud is fraud is fraud. Uh, Clemson's a fraud. They're horrible. And Wake's going to beat Clemson. Ooh. Okay. Wake is going to beat Clemson. I will take Wake. You're going to give me seven. I'll take them. But I think they're going to beat Clemson outright. I think Clemson's a fraud. I think Wake's an even bigger fraud. I'll go with uh, Clemson to win and cover that margin. Uh, I'll take them in on the road there. Tom, what do you got? Yeah, I'm not a believer in Wake Forest either. I'm not a believer in Clemson, but I'm a bigger believer in Clemson than I am Wake Forest. For that reason, give me Clemson. Okay. Arkansas and A&M in Arlington. The Aggies favored by one and a half. Bo, this is a really good game. Great rivalry. Yeah, this is a tough game to pick. This is – I want to I want to know – I wish I could know in advance – how AM is going to be. If AM plays as good as they can, they can win this game going away. Arkansas doesn't have the horses that AM has, but they are better on game day. I, I just, they get more out of their players on game day. Begrudgingly, I'm taking AM minus the point and a half. This is going to be a really good game. It could go either way but I'm going to go ahead and take a and I think they have the better horses. Um, Arkansas has got a tough road coming up in the next few games too. So I, I hope they're not looking past this. I don't think they would, but I just, my gut says to go with a and They played a lot better last week as well. So I'm going to go with a and Arkansas last week almost got beat by Bobby Petrino at home. A&M, of course, lost to App State a couple weeks ago. Nice bounce back win against Miami. Um, but I like Arkansas a little bit more, uh, personally. I'm going with Arkansas to, uh, as the underdog, not only cover but win outright. I'll take the uh, Razorbacks here. Tom, who do you got? Yeah, I got to go with the Hogs, too. Um, you know, A&M had a nice – I'd say a nice bounce back win. They should have never lost App State. I mean, let's be honest. We all, you know, looking at the schedule from the beginning of the season, should have expected A&M to be undefeated at this point with no worries. Um, for Arkansas, 
I think this is a good way to continue their momentum, and I think they will. Okay. Uh, so there you have a ton of that game there. USC and Oregon State, SC favored by seven on the road. Bo, Oregon State's 3-0. and Their head coach is getting some love for other jobs. Uh, that's a sneaky good team, those Beavers. <laughs> this is the easiest game to pick out of this whole slate. USC is going to blow them out the water. This game's not close. I'll lay seven. I I wouldn't be surprised if it's fourteen. USC's offense is uh, is something else. They're I don't going think, to score points. They're going to score points against anybody. I don't think Oregon State's bad. I really don't. I don't uh, either. I loved what they did against Boise State a couple weeks ago. They really caught my eye. They played well. Too much talent, too much speed. I'll go with a USC to win and cover that seven-point margin. But I think uh, – I don't think this is going to be a blowout, though. I'll go USC to cover. How about you, Tom? I don't think it's going to be a blowout either. I think Oregon State can hang. I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon State upset. To not sound stupid, I'm going to go ahead and take USC. They should cover seven. Granted – AM should have beat App State. Notre Dame should have beat Marshall. I'm going to take USC, but I'm not going to be surprised either way. Okay. Uh, last a college game on the slate Baylor and Iowa State. Iowa State's 3 0, but I feel like we don't really know them that well at this point. Baylor, one loss that was on the road to BYU a couple weeks ago. Ball, what do you think here? I think you said it really well there about we just don't know who Iowa State is. I have been burned by Baylor once this year as a road as a, as a road dog, and I took them in the game two weeks ago, and they lost to BYU. I'm going to take Baylor again. I just I like Aranda's defense. I like what they can do there. I think they get back off the side of the loss of a couple weeks ago and they get back after it. I'll take Baylor. And I do like them outright, but if I was just going to – if I was going to bet it, take the three, be safe with it. Wrong team favorite here. I think Baylor is the better team on paper. They're more talented. Uh, I like Aranda more than I do Matt Campbell right now. Um, it'll be a good game. But uh, Iowa State's your one test was against an Iowa offense that can't move the football. Now, Iowa State, to their credit, is played well for the month of September, which they tend to struggle, historically speaking. Um, but I'll go with uh, Baylor on the road to win outright and cover the three-point underdog margin. Tom, who you got? You know, I, I think that Baylor can do this. They should do this. Dave Aranda is better, has more talent than Matt Campbell. And, um, you know, for what it's worth, Baylor has a Big 12 title to defend. And uh, if you want to play storylines, it would set up a great storyline. OSU coming off a bye, Baylor beating Iowa State in Ames, and then coming back home and setting up a primetime matchup. There's a reason that they did the six game or the six day option for Oklahoma State Baylor. Give me Baylor. Okay, so uh, there you have it. That's our college picks for this week. Moving on to the National Football League now. Packers and Bucks. Bucks favored by one and a half at home here. Uh, Bo, what do you think of this matchup? 
Wrong team favorite. Wrong. The old man's washed. We'll talk about that in a bit, I think. But uh, I'm taking the Packers plus the, plus the points here. The Packers are going to win the game. Um, the Bucks defense has played better in the last two weeks than they than they're really capable of playing. Other than continue to do this, but um, I like the Packers. They're getting their they're getting that offense in stride. They're going to be fine. I'll take Rodgers over Brady. Um, the Packers have struggled against Brady since he uh, came to Tampa Bay, or I should say Tampa Bay. Um, Tampa favored one and a half. The the these last couple weeks, I don't think. Tampa's played to their full potential. The Packers looked bad week one. Um, but even with that week one loss, I think I like Green Bay a little more than I do Tampa right now. I, I'm going to go with Green Bay to cover, win outright and cover that one-and-a-half-point margin. Tom, who do you got? This comes down to home field to me. If this is in Lambeau, I'll take the Packers. If it is in Tampa, I will ride with Tom Brady. Um, I will go with Tampa Bay. Um you know, since I've been in Tampa Bay, it's it's currently now mine until the Rams go to play Tampa in Tampa again later this season. It is Tampa Bay, not Tom Brady, Tampa Bay, Thomas Bridges, Tampa Bay. Um, and I will go I will I will bid adieu to Aaron Rodgers. And since it's in Tampa, I, I like I like the Bucks chances here. OK, uh, a few more games left here. Uh, Bills and Dolphins. Bills favored by five and a half. Uh, I'm not picking against the Bills for a while. Five and a half. Uh, could be ten based on the way they're playing. Got to go Buffalo here, right? Right, Bo? This is the best team in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, they are just blowing teams away. Until they lose a game or don't cover, I'm going to pick them. So I will take Buffalo, and I will lay whatever the point spread is in this game. Five and a half. I'll lay it. I, I was I was wrong last week when I said 10 was too many against the Titans, and then they just beat the hell out of the Titans. I'll take I'll take Buffalo here, and I'm not betting against them again until I see something different. Tom, what say you? You know, I'm gonna be a little devil's advocate here. Um, Bills got beat up in that Titans game. You had um I almost said Dane Looker, but that's a uh, mid to early 2000s Rams player. It's not Dane Looker. It's Dane something. He's one of the starters on the defense. He had a bad neck injury along with Micah Hyde. Also had a bad neck injury. They're both questionable. I can Well, I can guarantee you the first guy, the Dane guy, is not playing this week. Micah Hyde is injured. You're talking about a banged-up secondary for the Bills against a Dolphins team that had no business coming back against the Ravens. The Ravens should be embarrassed. And, Jones, I'm sure you talked about that on your Ravens flock chat sports. And if you didn't, you should be ashamed because the Ravens should not have lost that game. Um, They should be every bit as embarrassed. That should never have happened. Um, That being said, I'm with Bo. I'm not going to pick against the Bills, but I think it's going to be a lot closer, and the Dolphins are way more readily available to score points than the Rams and the Titans combined are. So look for – this is a Big 12 shootout. I think so. 
Uh, Rams and Cards. Cards coming in off that overtime win against Vegas last week. The Rams bounced back against the uh, Falcons. They weren't impressive, but they got the job done. Now they're going on the road here. Bo, what do we think about this? I'm taking the Rams here. I like the Rams. Um, I, I have no – I just don't have a good, strong feeling um, of – of what the of what the Cardinals really are, and with the Rams, I still think their offense is still trying to find itself, and uh, I do think they'll get. I do think they're the ones who end up getting Odell Beckham in a few weeks that'll help that offense back out. But I like the Rams here. I think three and a half is pretty 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 easily done. I don't think that the the, the Kyler Murray magic of last week have more to do with the opponent than Kyler Murray and the, and the Cardinals. Give me the Rams. They're the best team in the NFC right now and probably the fourth or fifth best team in the NFL. The Rams haven't looked great, but I'm not worried about it, Bo. I think that's a team that will get better as the season goes along and when they come into shape, coming into form. Uh, The Cardinals, I don't think, are that great of a football team. I'll go with the Rams to win and uh, cover the three-and-a-half-point mark. How about you, Tom? You know, with the first outing for the Cardinals and – and to be honest with you, if they wouldn't have pulled that off against the Raiders, they looked so bad in the first half and ended up coming back on, like Bo said, it wasn't so much about the Cardinals being a good team. It was more so about the Raiders choking it away. And, you know, if, if the Raiders hadn't choked that full bitch away um, and, and if the Rams go in and dominate the Cardinals, we're looking at the end of the season or, you know, maybe three-fourths through the season at this point. With how the Cardinals have looked so far, Cliff Kingsbury is he on the hot seat? Yeah, is he? Yeah. They, um, if it, you know, they gave the Raiders. Granted, the Raiders were at home in Vegas. Five and a half last week didn't happen. They're giving the Rams three and a half this week in Arizona. I like what Bo said. You know, if if you give Rams five and a half, maybe we're talking something different. Three and a half. I don't, I don't know. I still like the Rams here probably by a touchdown. Okay. A um, couple more games for you here on the slate. Um, Raiders and Titans, both teams are 0-2. Both teams are desperate. Game is in Tennessee. Ball, what do you think? Vegas favored by two. Uh, this is this is ridiculous. This is like a ridiculous matchup that I'm not sure there was other games we could have been picking than this shit, but – <laughs> I um I'm not picking the Raiders in any game till I see them do something. You're gonna tell me that the Titans are gonna be a home dog? That coming off the big, the, the, they got their ass kicked last week by the best team in football, and I get that. But we, Vegas tends to over accelerate those things for betting lines. A home dog, I'll tend to take. So I'll take Tennessee against a poorly coached. Raiders team with a bad quarterback. Yeah. I mean, neither quarterback's that that great, to be honest. Tannehill has not played well. Um, I'll go with Tennessee to win and cover. For me, it's who the home team is. Neither team playing hot right now. Um, I lean towards Tennessee. I I do think that they're much better coached, too. I'll take Brable. Every day over uh, Josh McDaniels. I'll take Tennessee here. How about you, Tom? 
Yeah, you know, this is a this is a tougher one. You know, Tennessee's in a tight spot. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that they're not going to be good. They they got blanked um on Monday night like my Rams did on a Thursday night the previous week. I think Vrabel still has something up his sleeve. Um and both of you kind of said they're both kind of desperate for a win. I'm gonna go Raiders here, but I don't I wouldn't put money on this game. They're both this is this is a barn burner. Last one, Monday Night Football, Cowboys and Giants in New York. The G-Men favored by two. Cooper Rush got a win against Cincinnati last week. Can he win two in a row, Bo? I don't think so. You know, the, the Giants are 2-0. and They've won both games. They won the first game by one, uh, last week by three against two bad teams. Cowboys are a bad team. Um, I, I like the Giants at home. I wouldn't touch this game with real money. But I'll take the Giants and lay the two. I just don't like Cooper Rush. I think a lot of last week's success had more to do with the Bengals sideline than anything else. Yeah. Um, Giants are lucky to be two and oh. I think that they're gonna go to three and oh. I think they win and cover, but they're still a fraud. The Giants will get exposed. It won't be this week, but it will be soon. I'll go with the uh, Giants here to win and cover, though. Tom, who do you got? Listen, last week, Dallas got blessed by the Cowboy God, or not the Cowboy Gods, more so the football gods. This week, I don't think they get that blessing. Um, I, I think the Giants pull this off. You know, I'm not a Cooper Rush fan. Screw Central Michigan. Um, Joe Burrow, I don't know, side note, deleted Twitter and Instagram off of his phone. So he's trying everything. First week, if, he said, if only he could, dirty clothes. If, if only Joe Burrow could delete Zach Taylor, it would be so much better off. <laughs> I mean, maybe so. He, he said in his dirty clothes the first week, now he's deleted Instagram and, and Twitter off of his phone. You know, maybe the next week he disowns his parents. I don't know. It's <laughs> not going to help the Cowboys either way this week, though. Uh, Giants are going to 3-0. They're, they are the KU of the NFL. Uh, I think KU might win more games than the Giants this year. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, there's our picks for this week. We'll move on. Let's uh, let's stay in the National Football League. Uh, Bo, through two weeks, there's already coaches on the hot seats. Yeah, in the NFL. Uh, who are those that that come to mind? Who do you see being uh on the way out here soon? Well, the one that I think should be isn't because the Bengals are too uh, too cheap to fire Zach Taylor. They, that team isn't prepared in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they look awful. They look awful because their coach is awful. Um, the teams, the other two that I think, and again, a couple of these guys aren't going to get fired because they're new. Really, all three are newer. Um, Nathaniel Hackett is a disaster in Denver. In two games. I mean, this guy, I I complained about this at length each of the first two weeks, and, and I get it. He's still trying to figure shit out, but he's been an offensive coordinator for the last three or four seasons in Green Bay. Yeah. And, you know, he's given a, been given a lot of credit for Rodgers's, you know, um, multiple MVP seasons. 
but he was never the play call. Now, that in and of itself should not eliminate him from being a head coach. Where my problem is, is that if you're a rookie head coach and you've never been a play caller, you should not be trying to be the play caller and run the game. I give the example of a few years ago when we had the youngest, you know, head coach of all time in Sean McVay. And McVay had been a play caller and he knew what he was doing there. And he's also exceptional. But at the same time, he went and got a really experienced defensive coordinator in Wade Phillips. He knew going into his interviews he was going to do that. And it showed a level of maturity and understanding of how the game goes. Right. Nathaniel Hackett doesn't have that. I mean, to just to not be thinking about it, these things with the timeouts, you know, the when to kick, when not to kick. They they don't get play calls in quick enough. These are things that should be worked out even before the practice field. Right. These should be done in the classroom during the week. They should have been done in training camp. This, this, this is ridiculous. And if he keeps having these problems, he won't make it through the year because I think the biggest reason he was given that job in the first place was the promise of bringing Aaron Rodgers. They don't get Aaron Rodgers. They get Russell Wilson. Who's a pretty significant drop off, but I mean anybody's a significant drop off from from Aaron Rodgers. But it, it's not going to be a great marriage between those two. I, he's the one that, if I had to just say, God, he's awful. He's awful. And then Josh McDaniels, what is he doing? I mean, Didn't this guy. I know this too. He was horrible in Denver. He, he was, and I know he went and kind of rehabbed his image and went back to New England and he had some success. But, I, again, don't don't be the young play caller and the guy trying to run the clock. I don't understand, and we talked about this offline, the biggest knock on Andy Reid in Kansas City when he got there, one of the biggest knocks on him in, in, in Philly was that he was not good when it came to the clock. And his offense at times can be predictable. Well, his first year in Kansas City, he had a problem with the clock. He really had a problem when to call timeouts, when not to call timeouts, those sort of things. And a lot of coaches do. I don't know, understand why, but they do. Andy Reid went and hired Brad Childress just for the express reason of helping him manage the clock at the end of the half and the end of the, of the game. And I think that's incredibly smart. I don't understand why these young coaches don't do something like that. Give the Waffle House menu to somebody else and run the team. You can't run the team if you're still trying to figure out that you're the boy wonder of calling calling plays. And, and that's a big problem across the board in this league right now, and it's going to hurt these three teams. If you look now at Denver and Las Vegas, and you look at the AFC West, there is clearly a line. Right. The Chiefs and the Chargers are by far better than these other two teams. The The Raiders and the Broncos will not make the playoffs. They won't even contend for the playoffs, in my view. Meanwhile, the Chiefs and the Chargers are playing for the one seed. And it's going to be like this for a couple of years, no matter what Russell Wilson does, no matter what quarterback the Raiders have. It's... If you're going to 
it's not a good situation for either of those two coaches. And I'll tell you one of my other things I saw this past weekend when it came to coaches. I saw one coach in particular who gets it. I watched a lot of that Bronco-Texans game. Lovey Smith gets it. Respected by everybody. He doesn't run the defense. He doesn't run the offense, but he does run the game. And they are not a great team, but they're in that game. They're in that game because he's an exceptional coach at getting a team prepared. And that's more than just how many points you score or how many sacks you get on defense. And I just there's there's a there's a big time line on some of this. And some of these coaches, there's other coaches that'll be on this hot seat as the season goes on. Mike McCarthy's going to get added to it. And maybe it's a little unfair with the whole Dak Prescott injury, but there was an expectation already there with him. So I, I, I hope that he doesn't get, well, I, I'm rooting against him. So I'll openly say I'm rooting against him. So I hope he does get fired, but I hope the expectation went down without Dak. Right. You know, they're not Uh, the same team. Let me throw out some quick overreactions. Yes. And see, see your thoughts. We'll run through these one by one real fast. Um, First one. Speaking of Russell Wilson, the Broncos, um, overreaction or not, the Broncos will regret giving Russell Wilson that big deal. Um, is that an overreaction? He has not looked good these first two weeks. I think the issue is him and Hackett aren't on the same page. And I think that if you see some of the body language, Russell. How many coordinators did he go through in Seattle? Eventually, it's got to fall on Wilson, right? Yeah, I agree. But that's also a thing where he and the head coach were on the same page. I, If you commit that much money to a quarterback, you have to run their system they're comfortable in. And I think that that wasn't Hackett's guy. I think that he's not Hackett's. I don't think that Hackett's his guy. I did see a couple of body language things with, with Russ where they made a couple of plays and he realizes the cameras are on him and he's going, okay, we got this. We got this. We can go. I saw that a little bit, especially in the fourth quarter. But I think that's more of those two in the orbit in which they both are than it is the contract. We'll know more if they're not competitive this season and Daniel Hackett's fired, which could happen, then let's see how the second one goes, the next coach. If we have a problem from there, then it's going to be on Russ. I don't think it's an overstep to say that they're going to regret the extension, but when you made the trade, you had to extend it as well. Right. Overreaction. Time to bench Mitch Trubisky in Pittsburgh and start Kenny Pickett. I'm kind of close on this one. What are your expectations of the Steelers? Is my question. Personally, I think at best the Steelers can be a wild card team. Yeah. At worst, Mike Tomlin teams don't lose a lot. I think. Yeah. At worst, a seven-win team. Yeah. If if you're thinking is that you're going to be competitive, you have to look at who makes you competitive this season. But if you're thinking about where we want to be 2023, to get to play Kenny Pickett. I don't know that he, I, I and I don't know if he's ready or not. They know that better than we do. But it. The further that season goes, 
and the less success they have, the more it will go to it's time for picking. It's time for picking. Every time they lose a game, the the sands of the hourglass are going to go faster. Couple more for you here. Uh, Tua, MVP candidate. That's an overreaction. I, I, he's got a lot of great pieces. And we knew going into this season that their success hinged on Tua being the guy. But boy, it really helps when you got Tyreek Hill can score you two 50-plus yard field, uh, touchdowns in the game. You know, I mean, I could have hit him on a couple of those. And it was, um, yeah, I, I think that, I don't think he's an MVP candidate. I'm rooting for Tua, which is weird for an LSU guy to say about an Alabama guy. But I'm rooting for Tua because he didn't have the offensive pieces with the last regime, and now he does, and I want to see him be successful so they put the pieces around him. But, yeah, I would over it's an overreaction to call him an MVP candidate. Okay, a couple more for you here. The Eagles are the best team in the NFC. Overreaction? Yes, because the Rams are the best team in the NFC. But boy, I like what the Eagles are doing. Uh, I Jalen's the truth. Jalen, hey man, I have I have, and again, I'm an LSU guy, but I liked Jalen at Alabama. I thought he was great in Oklahoma. He he plays well. He plays hard. The thing you can never say about Jalen Hurts is that he was not going to be gritty and go out there and give your team a chance to win. He does every single week. And now he's got some offensive weapons. How much better does that offense look with him compared to to Wentz? Oh, God, so much better. So much better. And we know that I'm not a Carson Wentz guy at all, but Jalen does not make mistakes. I'll tell you who Jalen reminds me of. You're going to giggle a little bit on this. He's very much a Troy Aikman kind of guy. He's a little better athlete, but he doesn't make mistakes. He makes good throws. Gets rid of the ball when he needs to, and you got quality pieces around him that he can make look even better. Last one. Overreaction or not, the NFL needs more fights. I loved what I saw between the Bucks and Saints. Those teams do not like each other. This league, the rivalries suck right now. Everybody gets along too much. Everybody's too friendly. That was refreshing. I want more of what I saw, that passion, that intensity in that Bucks saints game. I, I I thought what – I don't disagree. I thought what Mike Evans did was worthy of more than just a one-game suspension, especially when you look at what else is going on in the league. But those two teams don't like each other, and those two guys don't like each other. Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans do not like each other. And it's because Marshawn Lattimore just shuts him down. But it changed the entire game, that fight did. Yeah. They threw both of them out, and then there was the turnover, and then there was the score on offense, and the game went the other way. I, I, don't, I don't mind it. I do like having a little bit of red ass, and I do think you should, you should want to beat your opponents. I do kind of like a little bit of fighting in my football. Yeah, I do too. And, and I think that – but I do understand that also these guys are going out there and, and they're playing a sport that's very dangerous. The risk of injury is very high, and they are all professionals. And so there's a certain amount of respect there. 
But I do kind of like the old school feel. Hey, the, you're right about the Bucks and the Saints. Those two teams do not like each other. Yeah. So the re the rematch is going to be great. Uh, let's move on to college football now. Uh, headline of the week was what Oklahoma did in Nebraska. And they look so physical on both sides of the football. I was listening to Boz, Brian Bosworth, talk about it. He said that they haven't played like that, that physical as a football team, since Venables was there as defensive coordinator. That It felt like a coming-out party. I know Nebraska is not that great of a team, but the way that Oklahoma dominated on both sides of the ball, they dictated, did whatever they wanted to offensively, and as tough as the defense played, Oklahoma looks like a playoff team Saturday. What say you? They do look like a playoff team. Now, I will say I agree 100% that Nebraska's just bad. I mean, they've already fired Scott Frost, and, I mean, they're bad, bad. But, I mean, Oklahoma did what you're supposed to do to a bad team. They embarrassed them. And they could have been by a lot man. more, too. They they put it. They called out the dogs at a certain point in that game. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, they that game could have been a humongous embarrassment. Um. Jones, you should have put that shit on your fucking overreaction. That is a fucking overreaction. What is Dylan Earl as a as a Heisman candidate? My fucking ass. I'd tell you who I'd tell you what, Kent State could probably beat Nebraska. That's that that storyline of oh well Scott Frost left and we got whoever Joseph up here and maybe you know, Joseph, maybe, yeah. maybe that changes things. I wouldn't say OU. OU has had maybe one of the weakest non-cons in the whole Big Twelve. I'm not. I'm not ready to sell. I'm a little biased. I'm not ready to crown Oklahoma State either. But that the the notion just because of the blue blood name and Nebraska, it's a bunch of fucking bullshit. Um, I I got smoke for OU today, uh, and we got the rest of the show to talk about it too. But I'm not ready to crown them as thinking, oh, well, are they going to finally win their first playoff game on their exit from the Big 12? Absolutely not. Well, I mean, we're not saying that. They're saying they look like a team that could go to the playoffs. I mean, they're out of the Big 12, but, you know, I, well, I, you say OSU does too in terms of, of teams that could win the Big 12. I mean, at that point, it's just a guaranteed spot if you win the Big 12, as long as you don't lose more than one game. Well, I, I half agree with you, Tom, in that is that you the, the champion of the Big 12, if they're, if they're undefeated, will be in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. But you do have to go undefeated, which is going to say you're a good team. Now, I thought that game was going to be Baylor going into the season. I don't know if it's OU or OSU. If I had to say something right now, I think it's Oklahoma State over Oklahoma. Well, I would, I would, I would change it. I would, I would say the opposite. Obviously, OU has the beneficiary of being at home for Bedlam this year. You know what? I would have said K State could have disrupted a lot of plans, and OU had host K State this weekend. But then we saw Tulane team come in and and dick them down Louisiana style. Yeah, yeah. Tulane uh, showed them what people from from Louisiana can do playing football. When you I look mean, at that yeah. Oklahoma team, like I'm still not high on Gabriel personally. I don't think he's accurate enough as a great. passer. Um, but I mean, Mims 
looks like Elijah Moore out there. I mean, he was was really good. And then that defense with how physical and how tough they were, uh, I mean, that that, that impressed – I mean, that was – that felt like Britton Venables' coming out party of sorts, Bo. I'm not saying they weren't impressive because they were, because they, they you're absolutely right. They punched him in the mouth. Right. Let, me, in- let me hear Bo. I want to hear what Bo says here. Bo, Bo. I, I mean, I'm looking at the game here. I mean, they Oklahoma basically turned it off midway through the third quarter. When it Gus Johnson went worse. home, OU went home. Yeah, it, it could have been it could have been a lot worse. Well, what I do think is I agree with Tom's point of their non-con has been bad. We really can't when you when you play UTEP and this Nebraska team, and then I and forget who the other one was in between. Kent State. Kent State. So you play those three. I mean, you're not gonna get a real good feel for who you are, but they did the damn thing. That's not underrated this season. If you don't believe me, go ask Texas AM. That's Arkansas. As Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas had a hell of a time with Missouri State this past week. Um, you know, so I, I think there's something to that. I'm not willing to say right now that that OU should be a playoff team. I will right. say if OU goes through and beats Oklahoma State, they beat Baylor, if they beat Texas, yes. If they go undefeated in the Big 12, they absolutely should be in. I don't know that they will, and I don't know that that because that Bedlam game is at Oklahoma that it matters. Right. I think that the home field advantage in college football can sometimes be overrated. Maybe. I, mean, look, I saw Tulane last year damn near beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma. And they beat K-State in Manhattan this year. Yeah. I mean, it's just that it's, it's going to come down to, you know, each week you're going to have to play the opponent you put in front of you. So I – I look at Oklahoma right now and I think, hey, just keep keep beating the person in front of you. They're gonna beat up on K-State this week. You know, I don't know. We'll see. I don't think K-State's very good. I, I'm I think, I think K-State was a dark horse. I think they ran into a two-lane team that that gave them some trouble. I'm not gonna say K-State's gonna cover against OU. I don't know what the spread Spread's on that seven. game is. Or, or eleven, right? Yeah, eleven. 11, that's, uh, I guess that's a pretty good spread. That's about right. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I don't know. K-State ran into the two, the kind of the same two-lane two lane team that OU ran into last year. K-State yeah. is going to have to have a hell of a defense against Gabriel. Yes. K-State's not built to put up points. No, and that's well, what I mean, they put up points has. against. Oklahoma. They put up points against Mizzou. I mean, it's more than they won. If you wow. had Mizzou versus Tulane, who would you take? I'd take Tulane. Right. I mean, that's how you could say hindsight's 2020, but I think we'd all probably pick Tulane against Mizzou, neutral yeah. side, home or away. I'm, I'd probably take Tulane just from what we saw last right. year. But let's move on. Let's, uh, let's yeah. talk about the number one team in the country, without question, is the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, Georgia just looks so good. I mean, they do everything right, and I'm hearing some of the talking heads talk about, is it the transition of power now? Have we gone from Saban to Kirby? I- I'm not going to sit here and say that, but, Bo, I mean, it- isn't it just impressive? I mean, if you are just a a football enthusiast, okay, if you appreciate the game like we do, 
How can you watch Georgia and not enjoy what they do on the football? Yeah, I, I look at Georgia, and, you know, we were in a disagreement. I mean, we, I thought they were one of the best two or three teams in the country going in. I said I like Bama going in better. I have flip-flopped. I have totally flip-flopped because where I my issue initially was that I didn't think Georgia's defense could be as good as it was last year. They just had too many great NFL players. Right. I said they wouldn't be as good, but they're still going to be great. Yeah, they're phenomenal. They're the best defense in the country. And Stetson Bennett the fourth, I can't believe I'm saying this, is actually played really well. And I didn't think that was going to be the case either. It's hard to trust anyone named Stetson Bennett the fourth. Total country club name, yeah. Yeah, he has that. He should be playing tennis. But I, the same and he time, might earn himself a draft pick now, which seemed un- he, he might improbable hey, months I, ago. I watched their game last week, and he made a couple throws where I was like, "Those are big time throws." Yeah, and I was like, "Cleveland Browns okay. confirmed he he he's practicing against good players. I mean, it helps brings everybody up when both sides of the team are, are good." Yeah, Georgia's the best team in the country. I, I don't know that there is. I think there's a pretty big space between who's second, between who's first and who's second. I think second and third can be argued right now. I mean, if you're an enthusiast, if you love to see football played right, how can you not get a sports boner watching Georgia play? I mean, I I agree. I I think the big thing about watching Georgia is that they're not a gimmicky offense. They're not going to go four wide. No, they got Todd Bunker. He's a hell of an OC. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to go out there and say, hey, we got this four-wide gimmick thing that a lot of teams will try to do in college. They're just going to go out there and smash it. And they're going to say, our players in the uh, on the lines are better than yours. And yeah. when you can do that, when you can win the trenches, it's game over. Yeah. Georgia's going to be a really hard out for anybody. The team that's going to have the best shot at them is going to be Bama late in the season. Well, Bama's going to have to improve. If they're going to stay with Georgia. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to say in week three of the of college football. Um, Arizona State fired Herm Edwards. I think we all knew when that hiring went down, that wasn't going to end well. And now under investigation, um, they don't know their future for conferences, whether they're going to end up in the Big 12 or stay in the pack. Um you know, it's a it's a great location, Tempe, you know, right there in Phoenix. But with how bad things went for Herm, these potential sanctions on the way, and then knowing, not knowing their conference future, I know they have good facilities and all that, but what do you think of that Arizona State job? Can they find a quality head coach? Can they compete? Yes and no. Here's what I think on it. I, I think they will get a good coach if they're – administration hires a coach, not just the guy that one person wants. That's what essentially happened when Herb Edwards got that job. It was his former agent who was in charge of the search. Um, I think that they do have facilities. They're going to be in a premier conference, whether that is the Pac-12 or the Big 12. They'll be in one of those two. Um, you know, everything I'm seeing now, the big the Pac-12's commissioner is saying that no one's leaving. But, I mean, he's, of course he's going to say that. Um, I think the big thing, they also have a big alumni base. There is money. 
And the whole NCAA sanctions thing, I don't have put any cause or any concern into it at all. And here's why. What are they going to do? I mean, the NCAA is is essentially powerless at this point. What are they going to – if you do something, come in in the end and go, hey, we'll sit out a couple of games, we'll do this, we'll do – take a self-imposed penalty and tell the NCAA to, to piss off. Because they can't essentially do anything now with the way the NIL works. And there was a lot more things to chase. And frankly, tell me the last team that got, the last football team that got in trouble for any sort of banishment because of NCAA sanctions. All right. I mean, it's been three or four years now, and it's because they're just powerless against anything. So pay a fine, get out of there, and be done with it. That's what I would do if I was Arizona State. And I, if I were Arizona State, I'd go looking for a Lane Kiffin-style coach. If you're, if Coach Bo is uh, offered, and all things are equal, you know, money-wise, Arizona State or Nebraska, where's Coach Bo going to go coach? Arizona State, without question. Easier to recruit. It's Nebraska's going to find it. They're not Nebraska anymore. That's just not a good place to recruit. I mean, think about it. You're an 18-year-old kid from South Texas, and you go visit Lincoln, Nebraska, or Tempe. Where are you going? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I to me, it's a no-brainer. I know that the that the Nebraska's in the Big Ten, but if you look, they're one of the worst four or five programs in the Big Ten now. Yeah. They really played themselves into that. And a lot of that is they're just – that's a hard place to recruit. It's like trying to recruit to Kansas State. I I would – if all things being equal, you're going to give me one or one of the other jobs and take an Arizona State every single time. Well, and, and uh, you know, over the weekend when – you know, Urban Meyer's on the set for Big Noon, and they're chanting his name, and we see people wearing shirts calling for Urban. Yeah, higher was, Urban Meyer, yeah. I mean, only Nebraska could find a way to reach a new low like that. Yeah, that is that is not the kind of coach they need to hire. They, I get Rick Patino vibes out of Urban. Oh, that's a really, really good way of putting that. I could I, see him yeah. taking that Nebraska job the same way Rick Patino took the Iona job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, I don't see Urban Meyer coaching again. But I, I at the same time, I think that whoever takes the Nebraska job, if it's an experienced guy, it's gonna be someone who, like Patino, has had some sort of issue. And this is a rebuilding thing. I feel like Bill O'Brien is that fit. Yeah. I, we talked about that already, and I think he may be one of the favorites there. But I, I, I've said to you privately, I think Bill O'Brien's holding out hope against hope that Nick Saban doesn't play out the rest of this contract, and and he gets consideration for that job. Uh, I think there's better opportunities for Bill O'Brien in the next couple of years. Hell, there might be one in state in a couple months. You think? And then I think that you don't think that. I mean, like. He was GM of the Texans. Don't these programs know how bad that went of him running that organization? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of that also was the way that organization was was tallied. I, I, I mean, he Bill is O'Brien more responsible good, for the collapse of that team than anyone else. Yes, but I think he could have been a good general manager or a good head coach, but not both. I think that was Bill O'Brien's biggest downfall. Because he was a good head coach until he was made GM. I, I agree. I think he was a really good coach until he was the general manager. I don't think that anybody should be the head coach and general manager of an NFL team. But I mean, you know, the, the rumors we've Bill Belichick's heard, track record as a GM as of late's not that great. No, it's not been great. And and Tom Brady makes him look good, but really that's a stab in the dark, too. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to be real about it. But if you go back and you look at the Nebraska job as we we're talking about, you know, the three names we keep hearing, Bill O'Brien, Matt, um, Matt Campbell. Yeah. And Lance, Lance Leopold. Yeah. And Urban. Yeah. Nebraska needs, and I, I hope it's not Lance Leopold. And he said this week that he doesn't want that job, but that's exactly the kind of coach they need. Someone who will respect that culture and then want to come in and build upon it. They need someone like that. They need someone who was uh, like Chris Kleinerman was for Kansas State. Someone who was successful at a lower tier and is going to be able to put in a different kind of system because Nebraska's not Nebraska from the 90s. Right. Or before. Nebraska's a different kind of Nebraska now. It's going to take a little more gimmick. Last question. Then we'll end, we'll end on this. Uh, yeah. We had Carter Stanley on earlier, former KU quarterback, and talking about this Kansas program. You mentioned Lance Leipold, 3 and 0. This is the best story in college football right now. I mean, this is amazing what's going on in Lawrence. And I don't know what the end result's going to be. You know, I, I hope they make a bowl game. You know, I mean, the offense, the number one scoring offense in the country right now, it's exciting. It's fun to watch. I mean, wh- what a job by, by Lance Leipold. Even, even if, you know, if, if they only win a couple more games this year, already what they've done has been significant progress. Yes, they have made – Absolute significant progress. Well put. Absolutely made progress. There's an excitement around Lawrence right now. Uh, this game against Duke is on FS1. It is a sellout from what I'm hearing now, or close to a sellout. I mean, people who are, are pumped for this game, they're going to I think they're going to beat Duke. I think they're going to win another game or two down the road. I mean, they've got a tough road. They still got Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Baylor and Texas. I think they're going to be undefeated when they come into Norman. Yeah, they might be. I I I don't know about Iowa State in that game. I I I coming in, I liked them to win the first game. I thought they had a shot against West Virginia. I did not think they were going to beat Houston. I thought they'd have a shot against Duke. And I thought they could beat Iowa State. I think when I picked them, I picked them to have four wins. But I didn't have them winning anything after TCU. And I still think that might happen. I think if they played right now, they'd be a favorite versus Kansas State. But it's exciting. He's done a hell of a job. And it goes to show that you can go into the portal and grab a few players. And if you grab the right players, the right type of players, and then get a couple of guys that you've already got. I mean, it helps. They've got like, you know, Devin Neal locally. You know, right. they've got Kai Thomas to come in from Minnesota, who's a local kid from Topeka. You know, they're exciting players. And 
they're going to score a lot of points. And that's kind of what you have to do. You have to be the gimmick that scores a lot of points to give yourself a chance in some of these games. But, man, that, that's – you want to know the roadmap Nebraska needs? It's what Kansas is doing. And if Nebraska wants to think they're lower than where Kansas is, they're just not at this point. I mean, they're not as extremely bottom barrel as Kansas was two years ago. But, man, it, what's going on there is exciting. It is the best story in college football this season so far. And they are just damn exciting. And I hope they keep winning. I think they'll win two or three more games. I think it would be really cool to get six wins to get to a bowl game. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. I think that this is, at best, an eight-win football team. At worst, I think it's four or five. Yeah. I I can see them winning three more. I could see them slipping up and losing one of these games they're favored, but then bouncing back and beating somebody they're not supposed to either. You know, they seem to own Texas the last couple of years. Um, games in Lawrence. I'll be there. And you know, it's what's going to be interesting is going to come down to what can they do against Texas? Those last three, Texas Tech, which is at Texas Tech. It's a hard place to win at. Texas is coming here and then at Kansas State. It might be that that game puts one of those two teams in a bowl game. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be like a, a its own Sunflower Slowdown be a bowl game this year in a way. Yeah. Bo, we're out of time. Thanks for joining us, yeah. man. We will uh, catch up with you next week. We'll count our advisory group, OAGcast.com, and the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every Monday and Friday. Bo, have a great weekend, my friend. Hey, you too. Take care. Take care, Tom. Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fullery story of the week. Thomas Bridges is standing by to tell us something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where shall we head to this time? Jones, last week we went to Utah. This week we're going to... We're going to a couple different places. We're, one, going across America, but really this happens in Mississippi. Uh, You know, when we go to the southeast, we usually go to Florida. Or I feel like we go to Alabama. And this week we're going to go to Mississippi because this could cause problems for the rest of the U.S. This comes from OutKick coverage, um, which two in a row for OutKick, so congrats. <laughs> uh, this is uh, back-to-back OutKick here. Um, from You know, from West Coast to Southeast. Uh, I know you just love that guy, Clay Travis, a lot. Yeah, he's He's on the video I'm watching right now. This is, like I said... I told you guys a few weeks ago that, you know, Jones gave me he, he gave me this article title, and I thought, you know what, this has got to be good. And so I haven't read this yet. So this is my first read. I, like I said, I told you guys a couple weeks ago that I like a first read for reactions. Um, so you're getting my first read here. This is more natural, right? It's exactly it's way more. And um, this is as of essentially yesterday. Like I said, OutKick article reads, America could face a beer shortage, dear God, due to the underground volcano gas leak. See, crazy headline. What? What? America could face a beer shortage. Okay. You had me there. You know, okay, you could say, okay, oh, yeah, it's college football season. We're drinking a lot. Okay. No, 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 no. Not college football. Not anything else. No, due to a Mississippi underground volcano gas leak. That is a 
a mouthful. Um, article starts off here. The news will make you drink. Yes, it will. According, according, sorry, according to scientific experts, the United States is experiencing a CO2 shortage due to contamination that is showing up and CO2 being sourced from an extinct underground volcano in Mississippi. Jones, did you know there was a volcano in Mississippi? I had no idea. No, didn't know either. And and this is even better. The Jackson Dome, which sits 2,900 feet beneath Jackson, Mississippi, has provided CO2 to the restaurant and beer industries going all the way back to 1977. But this summer, the supply was contaminated by raw gas, which means the CO2 is useless and has led to a shortage of the gas that is critical to the brewing industry. Jones, I did not know this. This is new information. This is actually an incredible trivia fact. Um, Juan did not know that there was an extinct volcano in essentially Jackson, Mississippi, of all places. Two has an awesome name. They call it the Jackson Dome. Um, <laughs> it's almost 3,000 feet below Jackson, Mississippi. And, and not only that, the CO2 from that is the CO2 that carbonates your beer or seems what seems like a, lo- a large majority of the beer that we drink in, in the United States. Right. So you know, not only that, I, I wonder if they use it for like sparkling water, like, you know, we're all fans of Topo Chico here. Um, so who knows? Maybe it goes from, from even greater than beer all the way into your ranch waters. Um, article continues, you know where this is going. The supply chain is being wrecked and prices have jumped as a result. We've been running delivery to delivery for the past few weeks, and we are certainly concerned about the supply, Ron Friedlander, co-founder of Aeronaut Brewing, told Axios. We have to figure out some way to continue to source CO2, and for now, we're actually just staying ahead of it, but it's certainly a big concern for us, Friedlander added during an interview with Fox News. In July, Night Shift Brewing in Boston announced the CO2 supply was being cut for the foreseeable future, possibly more than a year until we get more. Nick Purdy, co-founder and president of Wild Heaven Beer in Atlanta, says so far his company has been spared by the CO2 shortage, but there are still precautions being taken. Um, If the rail strike had happened, it would just quickly become a problem, and not just for us, Purdy told Outcook. There's almost no major process, brewing, cleaning, packaging, that doesn't require CO2. Our head brewer has rewritten our standard operating procedures in the past two weeks designed to reduce our usage going forward without any compromise in quality. Good prices for a pint go up. It's 2022. Of course, you should expect it. Freelander also noted that there could be slight reductions in the beer availability due to the CO2 issue. And CO2 isn't the only issue facing the beer industry. Inflation has the price of aluminum cans up 20%, malt is up 30%, and shipping is up 50%. Meanwhile, inflation as a whole reached 40-year high in June. Excuse me while I go pound triple IPAs before things go extinct. Jones, I'm not even, I don't even care about the beer shortage in, in terms of this. I am more blown away by the fact that there is a volcano, an extinct one, 
in Jackson, Mississippi. Not only that, you know, there, I'm sure there's extinct volcanoes all over the world. Uh, you know, there is. Um, and I'm sure there's probably extinct volcanoes in places you wouldn't think there would be volcanoes. But of all places, an extinct volcano that is big enough to supply a large majority of the beer industry or just the carbonated beverage industry with CO2 is in Jackson, Mississippi, of all places. It's named the Jackson Dome. And somehow that gas got contaminated. And now it's no longer viable for the foreseeable future. You know, some people say you learn something new every day. A lot of that's cliche. That I didn't know. And if I was hosting trivia still, that would be a trivia question of the week. What's the what's the vol- extinct volcano in Jackson, Mississippi called? People would be like, this is a trick question. There's no way there's a freaking volcano in Mississippi, let alone under Jackson, Mississippi. Huge population, probably. I don't I don't know. I'm not a, a, a geography guy. I'm not a population guy. I don't know. I would assume that Jackson, Mississippi has more people in it than anywhere else in Mississippi. Um, Jones, did you know there was a volcano in Mississippi? I had no idea there was a volcano in Mississippi. Mind blown. Now I'm starting to wonder where else are the volcanoes at. Let right. alone, I didn't know that CO2, we were we were just hijacking the CO2 out of an extinct volcano in Jackson, Mississippi to carbonate right. our, our beer. What? Right. That's the Tom Fuller here. It's, you know, if there's a beer shortage, well, that's why we have whiskey and vodka and tequila and all the other great spirits. You know, we can... We can survive a beer shortage. We can get by, sure. There's a lot of other things. There's there's ways we can get around that, right? I'm more worried about, you know, there's there's a volcano. Granted, it's extinct in Mississippi. Right. And it's, and we're, we're taking CO2 from it to carbonate the beer. That is the tomfoolery here. What? That's that's the deal. It's, it's, it's a mind-blowing fact. Jones, to go back a couple of shows, to me, this is even more mind-blowing than the corn fact of, you know, each corn stalk only produces one or two ears of corn. This is more mind-blowing than that. Yeah. We're getting CO2 from an extinct volcano in Jackson, Mississippi to, to supply, to carbonate our beer. That's and, what we come to. We're like we're getting we're getting CO two from Mississippi to carbonate beer. <laughs> and, you know, and that's a kind of a crazy fact. You know, some people might be like, "Okay, Tom, stop being over dramatic for the segment. Like, it's not really that cool. It's not that big of a deal." I'm not saying it's cool. I am saying it's a big deal because I did. Jones, I've worked in the bar industry. I've been I've been behind the bar. I've been behind the DJ table. I've been in bars more than a lot of other people I know. I've never made my own beer. Um, but I didn't know we were carbonating beer with CO2 from from Jackson, Mississippi. You know, it'd be, it'd be one thing if we were, you know, I don't know, making CO2 in a lab somewhere or creating right. it by a scientific process no 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 it's even cooler than that 
you're telling me the cheap Bud Light I drink at the football games, that CO2 is coming from an extinct volcano in Jackson, Mississippi? What? Right. But, you know, next we're going to be talking that we're getting helium from, I don't know, uh, a freaking lake in uh, rural Montana somehow. I, you know, I don't know. I'm going to have to do a little more research on this. What's fascinating, too, about this. So, like, when I eat at McDonald's, Tom, I don't want to know what went into that McDonald's sandwich. Don't tell me better that I don't know. Right now, right. this beer thing of this volcano in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm glad I know. I'm like, why? Why are we just now finding this out? That's that's badass. Why is that not a bigger deal? I've never heard of it. What else I, are they hiding? What else are they doing with these volcanoes? Right. I mean, it just makes no sense. Um, Okay, here I'm doing some more research here. Um, I typed in Mississippi volcanoes, and they said scientists believe that there are two volcanic islands in our state. When they say our state, they're referencing Mississippi. Right. Jackson Volcano and the Midnight Volcano. If you venture out to Midnight, Mississippi, you'll see that this small, unincorporated community sits atop a dormant volcano from the same prehistoric period. What? Like, it's absurd. I mean, yeah, they're talking about why the dormant Jackson volcano is Mississippi's best kept secret. Like, like what? The last eruption was about 66. No, 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 no. The Cretaceous period, which could be 66 million years ago. Um, I mean, this is pretty crazy. Um, Okay. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. I'm looking at. I'm looking at a video right now. The ancient volcano in Mississippi, the Jackson volcano. Two months ago, from the Geology Hub, the Jackson volcano is one of the chain that features a chain of features that formed due to an ancient hotspot. The hotspot is now offshore of of Bermuda. Um. Jones, I, I just can't believe there's a volcano in, in Jackson, Mississippi, of all places. I want to go see it. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to see what it's about. I'm, I'm trying to go see what the CO2 shortage is about here. Now, uh, as far as the beer shortage goes, which is like the secondary element to this story now, do we need to start stocking up on beer? Do I need to like, you know, keep a supply in my fridge to to get through this? I know we got supply chain issues in this country, but do I need to do I need to stock up now? I mean, maybe. I don't know what you know. I don't know what CO two costs. You know, even if you brew your own beer to carbonate, or you know, if you wanted to keep your if you had a keg of your own to keep it pressurized with co2 i don't know what the cost on that would be um i'm sure it's not super cheap but now it sounds like the price is gonna go up that's wild that's yeah, great I'm, I'm looking up more information i you know i was never taught this in 
in in uh, science class. I was never taught this in geography class. Why were this we not the, taught this? Like the for some I'm hearing about this. The American education system has failed us again. We're talking two volcanoes in the middle of the state. Like we were told that volcanoes, the only volcanoes in the U.S. were in Hawaii. Well, yeah, and like Alaska, and I'm sure off the coast of California, maybe somewhere. Um, but other than that, I'm trying to look. You know, I typed in Mississippi volcano. Most of them are just now saying like beer shortage. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing one from VicksburgNews.com, the Jackson volcano, the oldest known volcanic structure in the United States. What? I'm just now hearing of this. You know, sometimes I think I'm, some days I feel like I'm a pretty smart person. And other days, like today, I feel like I've been lied to my whole life. That perfectly sums it up. We will go and end today's show. Big thanks to Carter Stanley for stopping by, as well as Coach Bo. You, the listener, as well, for joining us. As always, you can subscribe to the Jones Report. New episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, download the show today. Also, check out the Studio Soapbox Network. This show out each week. Let's go racing with David Starr. Uh, Raw Tools with Luke Slayball. You heard Coach Bo earlier, the Coach Bo Knows show. Also got the Bevo boys. Uh, and then uh, Tom and I are a Big 12 Breakdown is uh, also on the uh, college football coast-to-coast channel. So uh, check out all those shows uh, whenever you get a chance, and uh, you'll be glad you did. As always, you can follow us on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Thomas underscore Bridges, and Twitter – at a studio underscore soapbox instagram tyler jones live instant thomas and a jones underscore report you can find us there and uh make sure when you subscribe to the show leave us five star review or don't leave us one at all and uh, we'll see you right back here next week for thomas bridges and our entire crew i'm tyler jones saying so long it's been another edition of the jones report have a great one